welcome back to another episode of the show. This time around, I've got my buddy Nis back, uh, Comic Zen from Twitter, and uh, he and I are going to be talking about a 100-pager from the House of Mystery. Long episode here. Uh, I'll take a little break in the middle, but uh, yeah, long episode because it's a lot of content to go through, but we have a really good time with this one. Uh, some really uh, funny stories and some really cool horror stories as well, so sit back relax and uh after the break he and i will be back to kick off the issue hey everybody welcome to another edition of the bronze age of horror comics and making his triumphant return to the show is uh, my buddy comic zen how are you doing this yeah good thank you nice to ha- nice to be back nice to be invited back really appreciate that and um you picked out a, a very interesting book today, uh, and it's mm-hmm. obviously 100 pages, lots to get through. Um, I really enjoyed sort of going through this. I, I don't think I've read this, I don't think I've read it for years, so it was uh, it was great to pull it out. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of different stories in here, some great art, um, some good writing, so yeah, eager to eager to get to it. Yeah, man, this is a really good one. So we're going to be uh, jumping in here on House of Mystery number 226. And like you said, this is uh, one of the 100 pagers. So this has got so much content in it. And some of it's brand new content, some of it's uh, reprints. But I felt overall that it was it was a pretty strong issue, right? No, Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, the... There's some hilariously absurd moments, as you'd expect from a, a Bronze Age. Com- I, I'm sure we'll get to them and and, and have a good laugh over exactly which ones. There. I guess I got a feeling you know, <laughs> you know which ones I'm talking about. What <laughs> one involves space, but you know, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, uh, good. Yeah, this the mix of stories are really good. The writing is good. Um, you know. Joe Orlando putting it together. So, I mean, he knows this stuff, obviously, when it comes to sort of horror anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Good, great, great comic. Um, so glad you sort of uh, invited me back to talk about it. Really. Yeah, we had talked about, you know, a, a good uh, Marvel horror book, Tower of Shadows, number one. Mm. And it's been since, I think, if I'm not mistaken, since last, you know, October, Halloween season, since I talked about any DC anthology horror. And I really do want to make it more of a part of my, you know, uh, recordings that it's, you know, at least, you know, close to being monthly, you'll hear one of these. Cause because mm. I just, they're, they're, they're so good. I just, they weren't on my yeah. radar for a long time, but once I've, you know, gotten these omnibus editions of house of mystery and house of secrets, I've just yeah. absolutely fallen in love with them. Love them. I, I saw your post the other day on, on, on Twitter with, with that handsome, I think it was volume number three. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it like a werewolf on the cover or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, what a book! Yeah, that I mean, that looked really beautiful. I, I, I had a little look um, earlier on today on on eBay in UK, and uh, these things nice. are going for something equivalent to around ninety dollars. Your money, mm-hmm. um, pricey, but God, they look good. That that one looked really good. Uh, so yeah, I might have to look into those. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and be, simply because the reason I get them, even if I can get them for, you know, sometimes you can get them 
uh, when they're like a year old, maybe slightly used and, mm. and still really good shape. That's mm. how I got a first, my first couple of them. I think they were on eBay and they were, you know, uh, like a year after they had come out and, uh, they, they were still pretty, pretty nice, really good shape. So mm. I thought, you know what? I think I got a couple of them for like sure. maybe less than like $75, maybe 65, $70 with shipping. So I, I couldn't say no to that because especially when you look at these 100 pagers that are in this, I mean, my goodness, they'll go for five, six, seven, eight dollars a piece, just the 100 pagers. So you'd be paying way more than 75, even 80 bucks uh, for, a, a you know, single issues of this, which I'd rather have the singles, but that's just a lot of money. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been sort of on and off collecting for sort of nearly 40 years now. And um I think, for me anyway, you know, you reach a line where you think, you know, I, I just can't afford to keep splashing out on these really expensive single issues, and um, you know, even, even I'm sort of veering towards omnibus editions and you know, masterwork editions, and you know, even the showcase present stuff. And I'm quite happy with uh, some of these black and white omnibuses, um, just just to get the material so I can read it, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah. uh, but I mean, I mean they some of these hundred pages are pretty some of them are pretty affordable actually for you know if if you're, some of your listeners are sort of looking to seek them out they're, they're not they're not hard to get hold of uh, and they're not overly expensive I think mm -hmm. some of the dollar comics on on House of Mystery are, are especially the one with the rights and cover I think number two two yeah which, which I managed to get from a, for a decent price last year um, but um, yeah, I mean, there's, and there's nothing special about that particular issue except for the rights and cover, and so it, <laughs> it sort of retails at sort of you know thirty, forty dollars minimum. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, thankfully, I've I've got all the hundred pages, and wow, I got all I got all the hundred pages on unexpected, and I don't think there are any hundred pages in House of Secrets. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I I cashed I I got a hold of them and and ticked those boxes years ago. So I was, I'm quite happy in, in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I would have uh, splurged years ago and bought a lot more single issues, just because I could find these things for even fifty cents a dollar. Mm -hmm. And now it's just it's just impossible. Shops, the only shops near me, I see something like the book we're going to talk about today, even in just halfway decent shape. They'd want ten dollars, maybe fifteen dollars for this comic book, and that's just crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money. That's crazy. So, all right, well, I don't want to screw around too much here. Yeah, we, we, we got, got we, a lot. We, <laughs> yeah, lots of cover, and uh, you know, it, it's it's getting late where you're at, so mm. I don't want you to be. Uh, 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 needing to take a snooze while yeah. we're in the middle of this one here. So yeah, uh, yeah just just <laughs> just just quickly for context, obviously you're. You know, you, your guys have, your readers, your listeners have figured out, you know, I'm in the UK and uh, I told Billy, <laughs> hey, I'll be ready at 11 p.m. my time. And, and uh, is it 6 p.m. your time or 5 p.m.? Mm -hmm. Six, yeah. And uh, as the night wore on, you know, my eyes were closing. I, I was starting to regret that decision. But, you know, we're here. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're feeling good so we can get through this. So, yeah, yeah let's, well let's, let's start. Yeah, we'll make it worth it. We'll we'll make it worth the lack of sleep you're gonna not get tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, as we were saying, this is House of Mystery 226, one of the 100 pagers, and it's a uh, cover dated August, September 1974, but it was on sale in the, in the month of May 1974. It has a cover by Luis Dominguez, and that's a name that I didn't really know much of being mostly a Marvel guy because I don't know that he's done ever any work for Marvel. If he did, it was very, very little, but I've gone to, you know, see his work a lot with the DC horror and come to absolutely love it. So uh, this cover here, this is a really good cover. Of course, it has a lot of text on it because there's a lot of stories and it also has, you know, three different pictures in it. Plus uh, our buddy Kane here, uh, dare you enter the house of mystery and uh, there's Kane. And it's almost like he has a, a cape on like a, a, a la yeah. Dracula here. He's pulling a Christopher yeah. Lee here and the, the cape is around these three different scenes, but I, I really like this cover. What do you think of this? Yeah, lovely cover. Uh, Dominguez, as you said, um, is a pretty, I think he was pretty prolific on this title. I'm memory serves, right? I know he's done some Warren work in the past and, um, I think he's done some like Ripley's, believe it or not. So, yeah, I, nice cover. Very, very good lines. Um, three sneaky peeks there at some of the stories within, and uh, Kane sort of with his playfully inviting look, um, enticing you in. Yeah, great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one uh, uh, more like a more vertical uh, panel mm-hmm. to the left where there's a, a man embracing and kissing a woman on a, a balcony, and there's a creepy looking werewolf mm. looking like it's ready to pounce right over the top of them it says frightening the perfect mm. mate uh and then uh, there's one uh, two that are like a uh, sandwiched on top of each other on the right and one says new garden of evil and there's a woman with a, a candlestick and she's dropping it because there are these uh, arms uh, reaching out from a mirror grabbing a hold of her her by the hair by the dress and it doesn't look good for her and then uh, the last one is shocking out of this world and there's a guy with a a cigarette uh, <laughs> popping out of his mouth because the man that's going to light the cigarette for him looks a bit uh, maniacal and it looks like yeah. his hand is on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got the signature mustache and, and sort of, you know, devil devil goatee there going on there. Always, mm-hmm. a, always a dead always a dead giveaway it's a, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and then plus eight more chilling fear fables and a tour of the house of mystery extra Kane's game so yeah house of mystery was always awesome about 100 pages tons of stories all these extras thrown in here you know i don't within the omnibus edition you don't get to see the ads and you know no letters columns or anything like that but they did include all of you know the the sergio aragona's you know uh, oh, extras great. and stuff yeah. like that yeah they're all in here too so that's uh that's I, I was wondering about that actually i was gonna ask you about that but so that's so all the little you know the Kane's room and the yeah the, these little one page aragon um Aragonez mm-hmm. uh, little cartoons are all in there. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, one other thing the House of Mystery was known for and House of Secrets where, you know, you would open that first page and there would be a really good splash page, uh, you know, depending on what era it's from, you know, you could get Bernie Wrightson or whomever uh, mm. doing those, those uh, initial pages. And this one is uh, Pat Broderick, who, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't know that he was even uh, doing work as early as 19. 19- uh, 73, 74 here. Cause he does have his name attached to it. It says 73 yeah. on it there. So pretty good. Yeah. Uh, very early Bro- Broderick. If, if, if anything, that was a little surprise to me. Um, I double checked it on fandom just to make sure, you know, it was, it was the same Pat Broderick and yeah, sure enough. But uh, yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That page is, it basically uh, has our buddy Kane up front here, uh, front and center. And it says, uh, he's saying, come on in chill chasers. It's time for another fear filled history 
issue of the House of Mystery. Just look at the terrifying tales I've got for you this time. And it does uh, name drop all the tales there. Mm. But the way mm. it's done is they're, they're kind of encased within uh, a shadowed version of the House of Mystery in the grounds yeah. and uh, the cemetery there to the left. A really, really good picture here. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and a massive, uh, massive sort of moon in the background there um setting the scene yeah. yeah yeah some little bats flying around in the upper right hand corner as well and then there's a couple of creepy little demons coming out from behind the wall here as well <laughs> <laughs> pretty neat and then the the stone uh, uh entrance here it says a dc quality magazine edited by joe orlando so that's pretty cool yeah. too yeah but all right well let's uh, jump into the first story garden of evil and uh, this is brand new material here a nine pager and it's a jack olick uh, script and Pencils and inks, you know, art wholesale here is by one of my favorites uh, of yeah. these uh, DC uh, stories. And then even, uh, you know, some Marvel work he did, too. I'm a big fan of he did a couple of weirdo man thing stories and stuff like that. But uh, Alfredo Alcala, what do you think? Of yeah, him? yeah. Um, fantastic artist. Um, I, I first knowingly encountered him, like like when I started to take notice of these names, probably when he when he was doing um stuff on batman i think in the 80s mm -hmm. um of course this was pre-internet so i you know I, I wasn't able to sort of backtrack and buy things and, and uh, see his back catalog but yeah the, the more i've gotten to know alcala um the more i like and actually um where i'm chronicling the Arak by roy thomas um on mm -hmm. my web I, i'm at issue 16 now but i think we alcala actually jumped in a few issues ago and became the the, the main sort of penciler and, oh, inker nice. and and even does the lettering so yeah this guy's super talented i mean that sort of three quarters uh splash on the on the first page i mean uh real intricate lines are uh very good stuff Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, like I said, Garden of Evil. And there's a, a quick little synopsis here on DC Fandom. It just says, a man with a shrew wife buys a mirror in which a beautiful girl beckons him inside. The woman tells him that she cannot leave unless someone takes her place. He tells the story to his wife, who thinks he is cheating on her. She agrees to take the girl's place, but breaks the mirror. Trapped inside, the beautiful girl confronts the man in anger that she is really an ugly old condemned witch who had hoped to use him in order to escape. So, yeah, a bit of a, a switch here with this story. You know, you think one thing's happening, and then uh, Jack Olick pulls uh, something else out here. But, yeah, beautiful two-thirds splash here to lead off with. You know, you see this, uh, this uh, beautiful woman inside this mirror. She's got these three cute little cherubs flying around, but then these uh, winged uh, monstrosities uh, are attacking uh, the guy that she's trying to uh, hornswoggle into getting her out of the mirror, right? Yeah, yeah, and then... In the mirror, you can see his 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 wife. I guess you know curlers so, in her hair. Yeah, yeah <laughs> curlers in her hair. I mean, yeah, you, you can tell which way the story is going to go. Uh, she's sound asleep there, obviously. You know, parallel yeah. sort of dimension there. Yeah, it's really good, good stuff. And um, yeah, very um, very colorful. You know, great Alcala lines. Not not quite. Um, as he, you know, his later Conan work and it's quite different here, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, fantastic splash that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, poor Carl here. He's really getting a, a taste of something uh, bad here. He's not only does his wife uh, 
uh, verbally uh, beat him up <laughs> from one minute to the next. He, he, he's met the, the woman of his dreams inside this mirror here, but it doesn't quite yeah. work out that way for poor Carl. <laughs> no, no, poor guy. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, you know, the, the, the as you as you pointed out earlier, the, the, the wife is deliberately drawn uh, in, in that certain way. And, you know, she's sleeping with curlers in her hair and she's, she's got these real sort of <laughs> <laughs> angular, mean sort of looking uh, um facial sort of features are um uh, yeah so he he's obviously drawn to the uh, beautiful woman in the painting um mm-hmm. it's, not re- it's, it's not really um it's it's just a plain old mirror right it's, it's actually he's seeing things and nobody else is mm-hmm. yeah i love her uh, on the page two there where she's uh wakes up and it's uh, in the middle of the night and he's sitting in a a chair staring at the uh, she, she says, Carl, are you going to sit up all night staring into that stupid mirror? There's nothing there except in your mind. Come to bed. And he goes, yes, Myra. And, mm-hmm. and there she is again with the curlers in her hair and her granny nightgown there. As well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. in the mirror, he sees a, a beautiful blonde woman, voluptuous, a uh, 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 evening gown on with a slit all the way up to her hip. Uh, so it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no wonder what this is what he's thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame Carl. I don't blame Carl. But yeah, like you said, he, he, you know, puts his hand through the mirror and, you know, the whole time you're thinking like, this is reality and he's going to hook up with this, uh, this beautiful woman. But, you know, uh, come the end here, we, we find out that, yeah, Carl's just uh, tripping out, you know, his, his, he's lost his mind probably from listening to Myra his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a quick uh, question. Are you, are you looking at this on the omnibus edition? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, because I, I was wondering because you 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 shouted out page two a minute ago, and I'm like, what the hell? This is like page four. I'm <laughs> 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 gonna have to keep up with you here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he's he's obviously lost his mind. Um, I think she, I, th- I think the wife sort of offered to sort of. The, the, she, the, the girl in the mirror can't leave because unless somebody takes her place mm-hmm. and Carl wants to spend his life with her and uh, then he's kind of talked his wife into doing it and, and I actually find um, that was a quite a sad little discussion you know with the wife when when she said hey look you know I'll do it Don't, you know I, I know how much you hate me <laughs> you know <laughs> You, you know, I'll, I'll take her place and you guys be happy. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's quite the sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then kind of like halfway through the story, too, when he's still saying he's seeing these things and she's not, mm. uh, he says, uh, I, oh, I must have been dreaming. Uh, you know, because mm. I guess he woke up in bed screaming, Althea, Althea, where are you? Come back. And the wife, Althea. So you just might. Who might this be? Althea be some little snip you've taken up with my dear husband. And he goes, no, no, I must have been dreaming. I don't know any Althea. And she goes, I see a dream. eh? One of these days you'll wind up in an asylum. And he goes, I don't know what you mean. And she says, no, you'd like to escape in your dreams, wouldn't you? Anything to get away from me. But I'm your wife and I'm going to stay your wife. And she looks pretty gruesome in that picture. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Mm. Also called him a two-bit Casanova earlier on. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, yeah, she really starts uh, giving him the business, but he's uh, hell bent on uh, you know saving this Althea from this uh, mirror world here, where these uh, monsters keep attacking her. But uh, like you said, eventually it seems like uh, his wife Myra is willing to you know make the switch because she's acts like she's sad and you know mm. I, I want i want you to be happy and uh sure, she's yeah. really just she's really just giving him the business here because you know eventually he says uh you know hey uh my wife is gonna take your place uh althea and she's just like oh okay great and then she's like wait a minute where's the mirror i don't see the mirror where's the doorway and he's like i, I don't know and he goes you know she says you must have done something without the doorway i'm trapped here forever forever because of your stupidity and he says what are you saying i've done nothing this isn't like you you're gentle sweet you're upset and she starts flipping oh, out here God. and this is where we see her uh true uh visage here right <laughs> yeah she she sort of transforms into this hag you know uh she looks like the woman out of um two and three in the shining or something you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah dc character almost yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, nasty. And her cherubs are actually the monsters as well, which I thought was a good touch. Very nice, yeah. yeah. They're like almost like these... They almost look like that guy... I can't remember what his name is in Marvel, where he's like a humanoid, but a dinosaur head. What the heck is his name? Not Sauron, but the other guy. He oh. fought Spider-Man in like a Marvel team-up. Yeah, Sauron was the first thing I thought of. Um, um, Gosh, wow. Stegron, Stegron the dinosaur man. Stegron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they kind of yeah. mind me of a bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're going to attack him and she's like, kill him, kill him. And, and they uh, come after him and choke him and look like they're going to kill him. And, you know, one is like really right up close in his face mm. there on that last page. And he says, no. And all of a sudden we see uh, in the bedroom and there's a uh, Myra with a hammer. And she says, doctor, are you sure breaking the mirror was the only way? And the doctor says, I was sure, Ms. Mace. I thought that once the source of your husband's obsessions was gone, he'd come back to his senses, but it seems I was wrong. And uh, he's hopelessly insane. And there's the, the white coats coming to get him. Yeah, poor guy. Um, never did wake up, did he? So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he, oh. I, I, I guess he's spending his, his life in eternal torment in, in this imaginary mirror world. And uh that's a really good story. I mean, I, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 sometimes you you switch from because I've I've been reading a lot of modern stuff in the last few weeks here and there, and uh, you switch to something like this, and you really got to change the gears because it's so wordy, um, mm -hmm. which I'm okay with because it's kind of you know my era of reading comics, you know, they're, they're very wordy things, but. Uh, it was a, uh, I really enjoyed the story. It was really good. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, really good there. I, again, like you said, Alcala, you can't go wrong there, but mm. I love, uh, for in the omnibus here, you flip the page and you get uh, a Sergio Aragonis little, uh, activity mm -hmm. where there's a, 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 a cutout for a, uh, a, a casket here, <laughs> a cutout coffin. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Sorry. We couldn't get your size. Uh, <laughs> compliments yeah. of room 13 there's a yeah. creepy guy there but yeah good stuff right <laughs> yeah mm. yeah very good um and then i guess i'm i'm sort of 
turning the pages through ads now. You're probably on to the next story in your uh, edition. Uh, yeah, sadly, no ads. Yeah, sadly, sadly, no ads. <laughs> I, I and I and I do understand that. You know, they want to save on uh, you know the of pages and save money. So I totally get why they don't do ads and letters pages. I get it. I, it's I, I wish they did, but they don't. So yeah, we're. We're jumping into uh, Teddy doesn't seem to smile anymore. And this was a, <laughs> I like this one quite a bit too. It's a, it's only a little three pager, but this is a uh. pretty, pretty creepy story here by uh, Marty Pascal and Frank Robbins, which, you know, Frank Robbins is one of those guys that I think with, with the, the right inker or, you know, him inking himself, like in this case, in the right kind of environment and story, I do like his work quite a bit. You know, there are sometimes it's like, his superhero stuff is a bit too cartoony for me, but I think his style fit this pretty good. What do you think? I love Frank Robbins, um, but he is, I mean, I, I've noticed, I mean, I don't get involved, but, uh, you know, on on our sort of Twitter circle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the usual guys, he's a, he's a really polarizing character. Uh, <laughs> yep. I've noticed that. Now, I, I, sorry, I encountered Frank Robbins uh, in Batman first time, that I can mm-hmm. remember was Frank Robbins, and then I quite—I I mean, I love—I love Frank Robbins on Batman. I, I have no issues with it whatsoever. Uh, Invaders, he was brilliant on that. I thought he was really suited to depicting a golden age, um, World War Two sort of, you know, heroes of that era fighting mm-hmm. um, Axis forces. Um, but on titles like this, uh, he's tailor-made for this stuff. He's, he really is good. Yeah. Frank, Frank Robbins is a good fit for this. He's, yeah, he's this... got that. He's got a very frenetic sort of style, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's brilliant on this one. And this one, uh, it just says a 19 year old girl on her honeymoon becomes the victim of a possessive teddy bear who prefers her with the mental capacity of a five-year-old. And this was really, this one blew me away. I was not ready for this one just because it's, uh, it's just so out there. It's it's wild, but I love it. Uh, you know, we have Kane here, and he's uh, telling us, you know, one of the happiest days of her life, uh, uh, Barbara here, or it should be anyway, is just uh, just too bad that Teddy doesn't seem to smile anymore. And we see this, you know, beautiful young lady that just got married, and, you know, her, her mother's little girl got married, and she's mm. crying. Her mother's crying, and she's like, you know, oh, a person doesn't, uh, age doesn't change overnight. I've been a big girl for a long time now, because, of course, her mom still looks like, uh, looks at her like she's a little girl, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she goes into her room here and says, goodbye, old friends. You're making it hard to leave. And we see a psychotic looking little doll there, a little girl. doll, <laughs> <laughs> These creepy yeah. eyes and yeah. a, a cute little teddy bear with a, yeah. a little bow tie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 little doll is it's, it's not like Annabelle sort of level. But it, it does look really sort of angry and, uh, you know, glaring eyes. Uh, you, you think, why Why would you make a doll like that? Side note, side note, I, I can't believe I'm telling you this. I, <laughs> w- when I was, um, I must have been about 10 years old, I think, uh, mm-hmm. around about that age, I, I had a really creepy nightmare about dolls. And it was like, I was locked in my house nobody was there and there were these creepy dolls everywhere you know like these like what you're seeing there on the page or maybe mm-hmm. sort of baby dolls that, that you know little kids have mm-hmm. and ever since then i cannot stand the sight of those things um 
so so like my daughter is 10 years old now so she's sort of grown out of all that stuff but mm-hmm. um i she never had a doll ever and i think i think my my mother bought her a doll once um and i i locked it away <laughs> it sounds terrible <laughs> but i kind of locked it away so she forgot about it and i got rid of it <laughs> <laughs> I I just couldn't I couldn't have the thing in my house. Um, and you know, for context, I'm a single dad, so I make the rules. <laughs> I, I got nobody here to argue with me. Uh, no, it, it, those things creep me out. So uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So hey, I, Byron. I, thought, I thought I'd share that. It's something good to share on, on, on this podcast. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but just get her a nice Mego doll of like Wonder Woman or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did actually. Yeah, yep. I, yep. yep. I, I did. I did get her something. Get her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Yeah. Yeah. Then the bottom panel on that page, you know, she grabs the teddy bear and says, you know. She's going to, you know, especially miss him. And how many times I asked myself, were you there when I needed you? When I was afraid you were there, always smiling. And the way Robbins draws the teddy bear here, it has this really sad, sad Mm. face on it. Like it's, you know, like it really has emotion to it. And of course, at this point, you're just thinking it's just, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just uh, dolls aren't alive. So whatever. And she says, poor Teddy, look at the cute little thing. I wonder why he doesn't seem to smile much anymore. And it's sitting there on the bed, kind of just looking Mm. at her with this you know, pale, you know, look on its face, these black eyes, like it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's wigging out. And, uh, we see, uh, her uh, new husband here, which he seems like a, a piece of work. This guy, uh, he says, <laughs> yeah. you finish unpacking, darling. I'll be out in a minute. So I guess he's going to, you know, get a shower or what have you. Yeah. And, uh, they're on their honeymoon in Acapulco and she goes, hurry back, honey. And she looks quite the uh, fetching there on the bed. Mm-hmm. And then while he's in the shower, she opens up her suitcase and there's the teddy bear. And she says, hey, what are you doing here? I thought I left you home where you belong. And I, I just, uh, uh, it has this really mean look on its face. And and then you see the furry little features. Perhaps he knows you don't need him anymore. And then, wow, why don't you uh, speak on what happens here? So um, <clears throat> she opens a case, finds this uh, teddy's sort of followed her there, somehow got in the case. Um, and she sort of clasps her temples are uh, you know in in bewilderment saying i thought i left you home where you belong 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 you know and she says it sort of three times um and the teddy sort of got his back to us facing um this this woman but then we kind of cut to the husband who's who's brushing his teeth uh in in the bathroom and she's like barbara what's happened and suddenly, Barbara, everything seems much bigger. You don't know why, but you need Teddy now. And the guy's like, honey, what's wrong? You know, and and the caption there is saying, you need Teddy very, very much. And she's, Barbara answered me and she's like, da, da. So she's, I don't know. She's like, Teddy's made her regress back into a child where mm-hmm. she is totally dependent on him again and he's got this beaming smile at the end on the final panel uh, so, te- so teddy's happy again barbara's a, a child and, and the husband's like what the hell you know what's going on here mm-hmm. um, barbara so, yeah. with a, just a question mark right and then the caption yeah. it's been a long long time but now teddy mm. can smile once more and it has this big smile on his face where she has this look that she's like 
gone insane. I just like, yeah. oh my gosh, that is so good. That's a three-page story. It's so good. Yeah. Very, very disturbing face on on that on, on in that final panel with their sort of big big eyes and a a single dot for the eyeball. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it's, it was, it's a good it was one. Out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mar- Marty Pasco, late the late Marty Pasco. Um, Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Really good stuff there. Again, and that's a three pager. And I was just, I, I was blown away by it. For it's one of my favorites in the entire issue. I, I, I like it that much. It's, it's definitely like a, a top three for me. Um. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the Devil's Chessboard. <laughs> and this one's pretty wild. This is a a reprint from House of Mystery number twelve, uh, from March nineteen fifty three. And uh, uh, this one has a. a Pencils and Inks by Leonard Starr, which I've heard that name before, and I've, I've seen his work before, uh, probably in this same way, you know, in a reprint mm-hmm. in something uh, much, much later on. And I do like his artwork quite a bit. Uh, no credit for writer, though, that I can find anywhere. But it's it's a, it's an interesting little story here. The, the synopsis on the Grand Comics database just says, Chess expert Alan Blake engages in a deadly game on the magical Devil's Chessboard, where every lost piece equals a loss in real life. When Blake's queen is taken... His fiance suffers a heart attack. She survives only because Blake can promote a pawn to a queen. So, yeah, really, uh, really interesting here, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you got a an, another sort of three quarter splash um, with, with Alan Blake on on a chessboard, um, and and I think it's a bishop sort of uh, mm-hmm. pointing out at him, saying, "Careful, Blake! In this game, a wrong move." may end in your doom so yeah, <laughs> yeah always uh, always lovely little teasers you, you get you know before you mm-hmm. sort of start the story off yeah i like all that stuff yeah it's really cool and basically you know he uh, uh, meets up with this uh, guy named rabu who uh, is the owner of the fabulous devil's chessboard something i've always wanted to see and uh, this guy is a, a chess expert here, uh, this Blake. So, of course, he's like, I don't believe in, you know, shenanigans like this. Let's uh, let's play a game. And, of course, you know what road this is going to go down, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it always it always starts the same way. So, you know, uh, this guy's like, yeah, but I, I, I warn you, don't don't play, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, nonsense, you know. Uh, so he's he's really into getting a game going, uh, despite um, this. What's his name again? Rabu. Ra- Rabu. Rabu. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's built this sort of Indian stylized uh, palatial home somewhere in London, uh, mm-hmm. n- n- near the set where his wife is. Um, Alan's wife is is filming Queen of the Congo. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so he he's he's. Pop down to see the uh, <clears throat> Rabu, and and he's shown him his uh, this this devil's chessboard, and uh, so he's he's really um, taken by the intricacies of, of of these chess pieces on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's magnificent. These pieces are so lifelike, um, and I think Rabu says they they were hand cut by a clever sorcerer during the reign of my ancestor Rabu the third, almost a thousand years ago. The sorcerer's curse is what gave the board its name mm-hmm. so yeah of course <laughs> my fingers itch to try my skill on the board <laughs> <laughs> of course of course you know mm-hmm. there's only one way this is gonna go that uh... <laughs> yeah well they start playing and right away uh 
uh, Alan Blake loses a pawn, and Rabu says, that will cost you a pawn, sir, and the devil only knows what else. And he goes, what's that you said? And then all of a sudden, they're interrupted by a telephone call for uh, Mr. Blake here, and he answers the phone, and it's his brother that says, oh, hey, uh, my my pawn shop, because he's a pawn broker, mm -hmm. just burst mm -hmm. into flames, and you know I'm ruined, I'm losing everything. And uh, of course, Rabu says, my deepest regrets to your brother, but it is, it is as I warned you, you lost a pawn and your brother's pawn shop burned down. It's a curse of the devil's chessboard, Mr. Blake. And he goes, yes, well, I really must hurry along. So he he doesn't believe him. He just thinks it's a, mm. a, a coincidence, right? Right. And and who wouldn't? I mean, who wouldn't? Despite the warnings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, mm -hmm. he just thinks it's 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 nonsense. Uh, it's a coincidence. Uh, and then the guy's back, I think, the next night. Yeah, the very next <laughs> evening. <laughs> Yep. Hey, hey, you know, how about we finish the game? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, and and I think in the next, so in in this session, uh, his bishop is in danger. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm not a chess guy, so but I I, mm -hmm. I I know I just about enough to get by. So the bishop is being is in danger of being taken. So Rabu's like. Your bishop is in danger, Blake. I I trust there are no clergymen in your family or among your friends. And uh, so immediately, this Alan Alan's thinking, no, there, there's nobody nobody in the clergy, so I wouldn't be worried even if there were. So he's he's still dismissive of the whole thing. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love then, the, uh, the the problem here. He doesn't have any clergymen, but he has a friend named George Bishop. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So if there's any connection at all, you're you're gonna get it. Basically, is what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He succumbs to a heart attack. He reads in the newspaper and he's no, no, it can't be true. I just assume believe in witchcraft, he says. But sure enough, uh, a, 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 like a moth fluttering to the flame, I again spent a whole evening before the cursed devil's chessboard. And he uh, he goes back yeah. and Rabu says, you're not playing well, friend. See how easily I captured your rook? And he goes, well, at least I don't know any rooks who can get hurt. Ha ha. Come, Rabu, walk me home. <laughs> Which I think is kind of <laughs> <kinda> weird. <laughs> hey, it's 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 comic logic, you know. <laughs> These things make perfect sense. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as they're passing Castle Hall, where I had recently competed at a chess tournament, great Scott, mm. Rabu, look, a bolt of lightning has struck the castle wall, and Rabu explains a uh, a rook is also known as a castle. So you know that's that's here you go. I told you it was going to happen. And I love that he said great Scott too. You know, that to me, that's like a, a Superman Perry White thing. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 yeah, the, 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 the castle doesn't specifically have any real connection to him in a way it would hurt him because I, I think it, I think the caption reads he played a game there once, you know, a, mm -hmm. a, chess, a chess tournament. So, you know, that wasn't too bad, that one. Of, of all the things that happened, all the calamities that he suffered, that one wasn't mm -hmm. too bad, you know. Yeah, he must have been emotionally attached to that building, man. He must have won won a tournament there, maybe won some money yeah. or something. But yeah, that one's kind of yeah. that one's kind of the outlier here. But uh, again, he keeps going back, and yeah. uh, Rabu says, "Blake, what must happen to you before you believe in the devil's chessboard?" And he goes, "Play, Rabu, play," and they start <laughs> <laughs> they start playing, and he takes his queen, and Blake says it was a stupid move. However, since the Queen of England is a stranger to me, I trust she is perfectly safe. And then. Wait, Rabu, it's it's Elsa, my fiance. So the the piece actually changed into, you know, a visage of his, uh, you know, mm. fiance, right? Right. 
who's who's filming the Queen of Congo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a great little that's a great little panel there, by the way, yeah. where it shows him reaching for the phone, and in his thoughts is uh, her and yeah. the Queen of Congo there. That's really good. Yeah, I must contact the studio at once. Mm-hmm. And sure yeah. enough. <laughs> she's had a heart attack <laughs> yeah so i think this is where things take a little a little touch for the absurd, kind of yeah you know even by any standard you stretch because she she died right well i think they it looks like she died because the guy on the phone says it wasn't 10 minutes before we could take her out she was in some kind of tank i don't know if he meant water so she drowned or something but he goes i'm afraid the doctor hasn't been able to start her breathing yet and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm thinking, uh, you know, they think she's dead, but she's really not dead yet. Uh, she's mm. just in, in some bad shape here. And then they, they finally do are able to resuscitate her because, uh, uh, you know, Blake is able to uh, promote the pawn to a queen mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's able to save her life. Uh, or so we are led to believe. Right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, 10 minutes is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you'll have yeah. severe brain damage if you are yeah. ten minutes without uh, being. Yeah. Well, 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 maybe, maybe they thought of that because they kind of shoehorned in. Um, it, it's you know we've got this wonderful invention called the oxygen tank, so so I, I think that sort of solves that problem. <laughs> we can uh, we we can get on with the story. So. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. and then so the final panel you have Rabu saying, you know, hey, would you would you want to finish the game, Blake? And he's like, no, <laughs> no, no, thank you. And, and he, he 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 this guy really looks like um, uh, you you know the guy from these uh these memes, you know. Uh, oh <laughs> I yeah. You, <laughs> I I I'm not gonna repeat the memes, but you know, the, the, hey you, f you, you know, f, <laughs> yeah. f you some more, and, and when you get around the corner, f f you again. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, yep. no, no, it does no look times. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah I, I, so he's learned his lesson, thankfully. Yeah, my favorite one is that uh, image you're talking about with the guy with his hand out like that. It just says, "Let me stop you right there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. that's the guy. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, I love that, that one. That's the one I was thinking about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I've seen one too where it said, <laughs> you know, my my boss. Good morning, and me. Let me stop you right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep. I, I, yeah, and and he's got he's got a big smile on his face, you know, like you know, yeah, not, nice try, Rabu. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah, so good one there too, right? Fun, fun one. Mm. At, at this point, um, you probably I don't know. Did you, did you get the letters page in the omnibus? Because I, no. I got the le- letters. Ah, oh, what a shame. No, I love no. I love reading the le- le- letters page. Um, yeah, no letters and no ads, unfortunately. Okay, interesting. Because 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 I um I had a a quick flick through some of these and uh, some some of the some of the readers really go to town on Jack Olek for um I think apparently he depicted a guy having a heart attack but clutching his right hand side in issue two 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 or something. And um, of course, the, the replies are all by you know Kane, uh, you know, and and Kane's mm-hmm. like, well, he, he, you know, we, we've had a word with Jack, or you know, it's it's Jack's fault, but it's not Kane's fault, you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought I thought I was quite funny. There's there's, there's a, I think there's two or three letters where they, oh, Jack Olek ruined it for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's fantastic. I love it too that, you know, uh, you know, whoever's answering these, you know, probably Joe Orlando is just using Kane to poke a bit of fun yeah. at these uh, people yeah. writing the letters. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I would do the same thing. <laughs> oh, fantastic. But yeah, yeah. Like I said, unfortunately, I guess for page count and, you know, to be a little uh, cheaper on the printing, it's uh, yeah, no letters and uh, no ads. Too bad though. Mm. Too bad. But uh, yeah, this one, it just bumps right into then uh, The Living Nightmare, which is a, mm. a Phantom Stranger story from uh, Phantom Stranger, uh, the, the the original series from uh, 1952. And this is issue number five from April, May 1953. And of all the stories in here, this one to me is a bit of an outlier. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's probably, well, it definitely is my least favorite out of all of them. And I did cover some of the uh, Phantom Stranger stuff. Uh, on the the they did reprint some of the stories from like the first four issues I think maybe even five but I don't remember this one in the uh, the, the 1969 series when they restarted Phantom Stranger they did a, a bit of reprints there for the first few issues and uh, they're 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 not great they're not terrible again for the early 50s they're okay uh, mm. but if you think about you know uh, stories that were going on at the time with you know uh, horror especially you know that was like EC in its prime. So this this mm. would fall very very, very short. Yeah, very tame. Um, I, I first time I've read it. I, I've I, I've never read this story before. Um, mm. Except I know when, first time I'm reading this um, hundred page or whenever that was years ago. So I don't remember this one. I've I've got the seventies um, series of Phantom Strangers somewhere with the, a lot of the Neil Adams covers. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is. A, First one, for first time I remember sort of reading this one before. Mm-hmm. And, it's and, kind of and, and quite an odd, yeah. It's it's, it's an odd story. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, you're right. It's a bit of an outlier. <laughs> it doesn't quite fit the tone, but yeah, you know, let's take a look. Yeah, I mean, because the the reason, and I, I've said this when uh, I was covering the the early Phantom Strangers, it, I came to the Phantom Stranger first, you know, down the road a bit where. You know, he's this larger than life, all this power. There's always mm. mystical, magical, supernatural stuff going on around him. And when you read these stories, like and especially this one, there's nothing about it at all. It's just like a, it's almost like a play on the uh, Samson and Delilah kind of uh, deal where mm. there, there's a guy, you know, uh, Jerry Samson, that's a, a boxer and he's got a big title fight coming up. And, you know, uh, the, he gets convinced by uh some happenstance here, which it does turns out it's not happenstance. It's all a, a plot here by oh, uh, some people. Man. Yeah, I mean, how intricate are these are these guys? Yeah, I think you know your listeners will probably jump in too far ahead with me saying that, but let's. Yeah, it. it I know what you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 I I was reading this and I had the same thoughts. Um, I mean, they they these guys go to some lengths, don't they, to to sort of mm-hmm. this guy? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. they they yeah, have him uh, wrestle a wrestle a lion here and save a little boy from being attacked by a lion that's escaped from the zoo. And um, you know, he thinks, you know, hey, you know, that's pretty cool. And then uh, his trainer, uh, Wendy, says, uh, you know, like, oh, Jerry, we've got you a match against the champ. He's on his last legs. You'll lick him. <laughs> Mm. Which I which I always get a kick out of uh, when these older comics say you know somebody's gonna lick someone else just makes me laugh it's my juvenile mind I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we see his 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 trainer here Wendy coach and trainer you know giving him a massage and you know he uh, 
it, they they take him to like a, a bit of a, a seance or something that night, and uh, this uh, this guy uh, says uh, it looks like he's uh, like a bit of a fortune teller, and he says uh, I'm summoning uh, the ghost of uh, Samson out of your body, and we do see this like you know scene where there's like this apparition, and it mm. uh, come, like is by him and says, "Fool, separate me from the body of this youth." And he dies, for he and I are the same. I must return to him to fulfill my destiny. So they have this guy believing, you know, a bit maybe, uh, you know, uh, after another thing where uh, he stops like a, a bit of a robbery here, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, this this guy thinks he's the he could be the biblical Samson, um, mm-hmm. and uh, this there's a robbery, um, and I think he. It was, they were kind of reaching a bit with this one. So he knocks, he knocks one of the gunmen out with a with something. a jawbone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Samson he uses the jawbone to knock a guy out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that a jawbone in his hand or? I think that's what it's supposed to be. I think they do say that. It says uh, on the bottom left-hand panel in that same page. Look, and Samson slew the Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, just the way Jerry has KO'd that gang. Incredible. Yeah. So. I think that's what yeah. it's supposed to be, and it, it, there is one on the table there with the, the fortune teller when he's getting ready to, yeah, uh, yeah pull yeah. The, the the spirit of Samson out of him. <laughs> so, yeah, this yeah. this trainer Wendy and his buddies, like who are a bunch of like you know, you know bookies, they they rig all of these things, the lion and him beating up these guys, and they they rig everything to make him think like, yeah, man, I'm really like a, a reincarnated Samson here, and then he's like, well, you know, I I better watch my hair. Because if they cut my hair, I'll lose my strength and I'll lose this championship fight. And, uh, you know, again, he's got a girlfriend and her name's like, not Delilah, but it's close. It's like Delia Della. or Della or something. Della, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we do see her at some point with a, a pair of scissors. And he, I think he's dreaming as that, at that point. But he does wake up after his uh, buddy, Wendy, the, the coach, basically took every sharp object supposedly out of the room. So there's no way your hair could get cut. But. He wakes up from his nap, and sure enough, his hair's been cut. So mm. he now thinks he's in trouble, that he's going to lose this fight. And the Phantom Stranger, it's up to him to, uh, you know, like convince him, uh, no, Jerry, you're, you're, you're still tough. You're going to win this fight. And he does that by <laughs> lighting a fire uh, across the street at uh, his uh, girlfriend's apartment here. And uh, she, you know, obviously he thinks, oh, no, there's a fire over there. I got to go help her. And he goes and he breaks the door down. And, uh, mm. you know, Phantom Stranger's there, and he's like, look, you smash through this door you don't you didn't lose your strength because of your hair it was just all a scam you know now get out there and win and he does go out there and win the fight and then uh not long afterward and uh, it shows him that he <laughs> beat the crap out of all the the the, the gamblers and the bookies that were uh, playing this trick on him right mm. yeah so um bit of a weird one yeah it, 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 there's a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of plot contrivances throughout this and you know it's mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very fifties, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. You know, I think even by Bronze Age standards, you you're really sort of pushing yourself to to buy into some of this stuff. But it, you know, it's, it's interesting enough. It's it's a good. It's an interesting glimpse into sort of bygone sort of era of storytelling, I guess, in DC's past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I mean, <clears throat> you probably know better than me, but um, I had. Has the Phantom Stranger's origin been fully established when when this story was out? Uh, no, 
No, it was it was it was very even in the seventies issues that now you know I'm covering on uh, this uh, show with a, a guy uh, a Jeremiah, my one uh, co-host. They mm. still have not gotten into that, and to my knowledge, the only time before modern times, I will say that they only really dove into it was uh, an issue of Secret Origins. They showed yes. like three possible origins for him, but they never said which one. And I, I, I have that issue. It's really good. Uh, Alan Moore. I think the, there was an Alan Moore story where mm-hmm. he, was the, he, he was the, he could have been the wandering Jew from, from biblical lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there is a wandering Jew in the Bible, but you know, there's a, it's like a, a myth or a legend or a legend maybe is a better word. And that mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that one story. I have that. I have that issue number ten, and is a real sort of Salvador Dali cover going on there with with Phantom Stranger um, depicted sort of in in a real weird four way perspective. There's, there's four different reflections of him. That mm-hmm. was a that was a great issue. Um, really good one. I remember that one. But prior to that, I, I mean, I I didn't. The guy just sort of showed up, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he he, yep. he kind of reminds me of Michael Landon from Highway to Heaven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I used to watch the we we used to have these rerun in the UK um, on Channel mm-hmm. Four, and uh, I, I really he was like a an angelic sort of version of Phantom Street. He just sort of showed up, didn't he, and, and helped help yep. the guys out, and then was back <laughs> back on the road, uh, ready for the next case. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. this was. Um, yeah, it was a bit of an outlier. Um, yeah, I think I forgot to mention too. It was script by John Broom, pencils Carmine Infantino, and oh, okay. by Bernard Bernard Sachs. So yeah, yeah, oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, wow, the wow. yeah the Carmine, you know, pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't realize Carmine Infantino, but mm-hmm. then you know the moment you said Carmine Infantino, I was just glancing at that final panel and I was looking at the, uh, this guy's wife. Yep. And that's a very Infantino face. So this this mm-hmm. is obviously very early Infantino. Yep, yep. It um, reminds me of some of the flash work he did back in the yeah, late yeah. 50s, early 60s yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh. Yep, yep. Cool, cool stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's uh, jump into Monster in the House. And, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, one, this it, one broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about a sad story? Like, it, it, it's played off as a bit of a horror story, but it's not. There's nothing, I mean, maybe back uh, in the 70s, this would have been looked at as more of a horror story, but this is so, so sad, this story. Monster it, it, in the house. I, I'm glad we're on the same page, because I, I I really felt for this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, this, is, this is pretty awful. So why don't we... Uh, uh, take a look at this one here. And this one is uh, our buddy Jack Olek again on script and then pencils mm-hmm. and inks by the marvelous Nestor Redondo. So uh, there's a, a cane here at the top of the page. Uh, and I will uh, I'll just let you know what Kane has to say for the intro of this mm-hmm. one. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's really no other synopsis out there floating around that I can find for any of the other stories. So we'll just you know, you and I are just going to trade off and read some intros here. And I'll I'll, sure. I'll do this one here. Monster in the house. It says, uh The old woodshed back in the Victorian era. This was where parents used to take their children for punishment or to punish them for what they judged to be evil deeds. That kind of punishment was probably a good thing. But what about parents who do something evil? How are they to be judged? Take the people who used to live here, for instance, George and Cora Willis, the people who dug this grave. 
For 21 years, George and Cora Willis kept a horror locked away in a living tomb, but that horror was flesh of their flesh and blood of their blood. So who is to say who was really the monster in the house? So, oh yeah, wow, this one's really tough. So why don't you speak on this uh, splash page here where uh, we see uh, kind of uh, this uh, this scene at the bottom here. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's a candlelit scene inside this um you know, in, inside the house that Kane showed us earlier. Oh, but obviously, it's the, the house is in disrepair in the, in the panel above. But here, it's, it's it's like it looks like a sort of castle, doesn't it? Inside, like mm-hmm. a castle. And um, the woman is on the floor, the wife, you know, and and her husband is sort of sort of cowering over her, and he's and there's this real sort of Quasimodo type of. Uh, figure sort of lurching on them but he, he's he's shackled to the wall with, with these monocles and the and he's saying uh the father is saying adam uh don't we we can't let you go not even your own brother knows you exist you're not like other men <laughs> mm. no no yeah yeah um, oh man yeah he's he, he really isn't like other men and, and of course the his son here is who's a real sort of a lot of deformities and a hunchback and a sort of crooked nose and you know, ghastly mm-hmm. looking. Uh, he said, like, "I know, I know what a, I know what I am—a freak, a nightmare. But I've harmed no one. For the last time, I beg you, set me free." It's like oh. the, the moment that really got me in the feels, as they say. Uh, mm-hmm. Poor guy. Yeah. So yeah, and it it kind of lived up to that for the whole story, more or less. And that you, you really felt for this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really again, it's one of those stories where, you know, monster in the house and we know by the end of the story, actually, even from right there, you know who the mm-hmm. monster monster or monsters in the house are. It's not Adam. It's the parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. Oh, but man. Yeah, this uh, we, we wind back the clocks a bit to uh, when Adam and his brother were born and, uh, you know, the doctor's there and, oh, congratulations. You know, there's another doctor there and he says, you know, maybe I have, should have a look anyway. And uh he says, you were right, Mr. Willis, a fine baby boy. You've got something to be proud of. He's a handsome little tyke. And he says, proud? Yes, yes, I suppose so. And you see the mother there coddling this newborn child. And as the doctor leaves the house, uh, the caption box says, somehow he saw the doctor to the door and the storm that raged outside was no more violent than the storm that raged inside mm-hmm. him. And he's punching the door and saying, why? Why should this happen to us? It isn't fair. And you're thinking, what is this guy talking about? And, uh, you know, uh, the, the wife wakes up and she says, our son, oh, George, isn't he beautiful? We're so lucky. And he says, lucky, stop it. For God's sake, Cora, stop it. And he says, Cora, listen to me. You were only half conscious. You weren't aware. We have two sons, twins. I hid the other one. She says, you hid him. But why, George, why is that? Why? And man, you flip the page and he, he has the child and he, he takes oh, a, a bit of a blanket off of it. And you can see he's, you know, got some physical disabilities here. It looks pretty rough. And she says, that's that's our son, that thing. No, uh, it's horrible, horrible. The one eye staring at me as if it understands and that face, that body. And she just coddles the, the, the you know, air quotes, normal looking child and uh, and and yeah, says, get rid of it, basically. So Jeez, what, is, what does he do as any uh, uh, great father does? He locks it in a cobweb-filled room in the basement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. That, is, that, is... Oof. Poor, that panel's that's, that's, Yeah, that, that's, that's really... Uh... 
kind of reminded me of a, maybe you can help me to get this, kind of reminded me of a, I can't remember that as a horror film, black and white, and there was a similar sort of deal with with the, the guy was sort of locked away, wasn't allowed to go out, a really furry looking guy, <laughs> and he talked in a very funny way. I, 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 does that ring a bell to you? Probably not. I, uh, I, I have seen, you know, something along these lines, and it's it's going to take me a while to think of what mm, it is, but mm. I, I definitely, I, I think we're on the, the, the same wavelength here. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so he's, yeah, he's locked this uh, deformed sort of son away in this dank cobweb room. Um, and mm. then you see, uh, you know, they're having this, you know, civilized life. The, the, the good son, the, you know, the handsome son's grown up and they're eating at a table. And, and this guy's sort of feasting on scraps and in, in, in locked away in this room. Um, oh. And uh, even the even the mother, I think she says, "Look, do we really need to use the chains? Because he's never given us any trouble, and he, he's the, 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 there's no malicious. I think what makes this effective story is there is no malice in in this um, son. That, that, yeah, because yeah. he, all, all he says, "Look, I just want to go. L- let me go, and I'll and I'll go away, and you won't even hear anything from me, and you know, and and." But they refuse. Uh, they refuse to let him go. Mm, yeah, they keep citing one of their reasons being that that the hill somehow ruined their life and his brothers. You know, because his brother's normal and you're not. And oh, it's just awful. Because at, at that point where they're going to put the chains on him for what it looks like the first time, as he's mm. growing into like a young adulthood, maybe mm. he, he says, "Father, no, I haven't been bad. Don't chain me up, please." And the next scene, you know, he's he's got chains on him, and he goes. Uh, after his wife said he's never given us trouble and he says not yet but look at him he's becoming a giant and we have philip to think about we can't take any chances you know that and she says you mean he might break out of here no philip i must never know philip must never know about him never you you're right and i'm thinking hey look uh why why can't the brother know he has a brother even you know with uh, these uh you know physical deformities like why like he can know about him like come on man Oh, it's just it carries you up. Yeah, yeah, that re- really speaks to the the shallowness of of this 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 couple's um, mm-hmm. souls, I guess. You know, they they they're more concerned with 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 being members of polite society, aren't they? And and keeping mm. up appearances, and they they don't want they don't want anything to do with this kid. Uh, and they can't. I mean, every panel we see him, pretty much, he's just begging to go free, isn't he? There's yeah. No other, yeah. 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 And he just says, hey, like, uh, why must I stay here? What have I done? If only I could see the sun, the flowers. I know I'm ugly, oh, but, God. oh, man. And you're just like, your heart is, like, going out to him. And the father says, ugly? Is that all you think you are? You, you monster? You freak? Do you think I want to keep you under my roof? And he says, you, you're our curse, but we have another son that we can be proud of. Do you think we'll ever risk his happiness for you? No. Here you are, and he'll, <sighs> here you'll remain forever. It's like, talk, oh, man. Talk, talk about twisting the knife. <laughs> oh, yeah. The words, the words to me are worse than the chains ever could be. It's like, oh, your own father's saying that to you. That must be awful. Yeah. Yeah, terrible stuff. Yeah, really, but really, he, yeah. But here he, he gets really pissed off here after that last time the door gets slammed in his face. And he says, forever, all right, I've begged, I've pleaded, but if that's your answer, you'll regret it. I warn you, 
I can do things. And you're thinking, okay, what's he talking about here? But he, he's got some kind of uh, mental powers that mm. he's, he, he can, you know, you know, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Like he, at this first incident incident here, he pulls like a, like a fire starter here, like mm. the, the, the story where he uses his mind to start a fire, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he has like telekinetic sort of abilities or something. Um, so yeah, he's, he started a, a fire, um, wakes up the parents in the middle of the night, and uh, the, Philip wakes up as well, and you know, they're pulling this fire out. And um, it was just a small one, no, no damage done. It, it's almost like a warning, you know. Mm-hmm. I can do I can do stuff. That's probably what he meant. But uh, mm. yeah, I, I think this sort of changes their the parents' sort of thinking here. They think, no, oh, this is going to be a problem, you know, a big problem. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And oh man, he he comes down uh, with a whip. Yeah. And this one, I was like, oh my god, no, don't! <laughs> I I I couldn't believe it. I'm like, no, no. And he's just about getting ready to start whipping him and. Uh, it says it was George Willis's own guilt, his own conscience that made him raise that whip. But and it, it almost looks like some kind of uh, I, I think uh, Redondo is trying to show us like a like some kind of earthquake effect here, maybe. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I kind of read. Um, I, I look. Is, yeah, it's it's not clear. I, I, I looked at that panel and I kind of read. I don't know. I, I kind of read there, there was like a force pushing them back. Knocked them over, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the father says, it's true. He has powers. And Adam says, I told you, I don't want to hurt anyone. I only want to be free. For the last time, I beg you, let me go. And they still mm-hmm. won't let him. And they said, uh, consider your brother. We'll, we'll have to think about it. Give us a little time. And Adam says, all right, I understand how you feel. I'll wait. And if you let me go, you'll never be sorry. Yeah. I'll just go away. I promise. He's and so Matt, understanding. <laughs> Yeah, man, your your heart's just breaking for this guy, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. He's he's uh, yeah, you know, he doesn't want to hurt them. He just wants to let let them go. And even after everything, even after the sort of the near whipping, um, they okay, you know, we'll think about it. He's like, okay, sure, you know, go ahead, think about it. You know, I'll I'll stay chained up in the meantime, no problem. But you know, come and let me know. So, yeah. yeah, poor guy, you know. Yeah, and then the mother says, how he must hate us, that horror. George, we can't let him go. We don't dare. And oh, the hus- uh, husband says, I know, we'd never be able to trust him. And again, why? He's he's always been, like, behaved and just wants uh, to be let go. And he says, there's only one way out. He's got to disappear, to vanish for Philip's sake and for our own. He's got to die. And you see this close-up of uh, his eye mm. and, and the wife's reflection in his eye. And she says, die, George, no. What if we're caught? There must be another way. So she's worried about getting <laughs> caught, not about murdering her own yeah. son. I'm just like, wow, yeah. are these people awful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody wow. knows this guy exists in the first place. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, they concoct this plan where they – uh, drug is food. Yeah, it loudenum, I think loads of it enough yeah. to enough to knock an elephant out, and they they really uh, laces his his food with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they go down to see him, and he, mother's like, "Look, we've done a terrible thing to you, Adam. We know. Can you can you ever forgive us?" So they kind of lull him into this false sense of security. 
mm-hmm. and he's like oh you know I'm, I'm really happy like you'll let me go I knew it I knew you'd be I knew you'd be kind and they said yeah we, you know we'll let you go Adam it's only right but we'll have to pick a time when Philip isn't here you understand you know of course he understands you know eat your food Adam try not to hate us too much you, know, you won't have to wait too long and and I give you my word as a mother and she gives him oh a kiss. yeah oh yeah. man <laughs> oh, wow. it's out of her out of her awful and she says it's been more than an hour if the laudanum is going to work on him it must have done its work by now and the husband says I know I'm ready and he pulls oh, this God. huge knife out of a drawer and they go in and he is knocked out from the from the drugs and oh man this is this is just awful yeah so he goes in with this huge knife yeah, and, and, and a very very effective example of um you know i don't know not showing leaving mm-hmm. it up to your imagination because you, you just yep. see them you see the knife come down you hear you hear the sound effect chuck <laughs> oh. and then that's kind of game over for adam Apparently, and then mm-hmm. the, next, the next scene is um, that they've dug the grave, uh, which is a really impressive square cut. <laughs> yeah, I'll say perfect rectangle. <laughs> yeah, with with, with 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 just a spade. So wow, you know, <laughs> must have must taken have, about two days. <laughs> yeah, it, it's sad that I I I look at things like that. You know, I, I it, it, these things stick out to me and they kind of make me chuckle. I think that's a, that's a really good job, you know. Yeah, fantastic. It, all, all things considered, it, it's a terrible thing, but re- really great job with with the grave. Uh, they should have been landscapers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh man, you see a panel of them uh, chucking him into, oh, it and oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And, and, it really, but here's yeah. but here's here's the rub. They finish burying him, and uh, someone shows up, Philip, right? And this is where you really get a good swerve. What about mm. it? Mm, mm. So um, he's he's there watching them sort of dig this grave, uh, sort of refill this grave with his, with Adam in there, and they're sort of taken by surprise. And he's like, "How how long have you been here?" You know, and he goes, "Long enough. I saw everything." You know, and I think the dad's like, "You know, you don't know what you saw. You don't understand, Philip. This this isn't what you think. We had to." And um, so then here we get the 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 big reveal. Um, uh, he said, you know, because he, he says, I know all about Adam. And mm-hmm. uh, the parents like, how how do you know? You know, how do you know about your brother? And he said, I know because I read your mind, father. I knew while you were making your plans. And so the father's thinking initially, the father's thinking, oh, so maybe our good son, has also got powers mm-hmm. and then i think the next sort of caption from you know the speech bubble sorry from from philip is like no adam no only adam had the power you should have listened to him he never wanted to hurt anyone's he told you so but you left him no choice and mm. and then he sort of reveals that you know that's why he knew he uh, about the plot to kill kill him so he used his powers to t- so he's speaking about uh, it so it's it's adam who's taken over philip's body but he's kind of toying with them because he's still speaking about adam in the third person and then i think the the final two pal- panels uh the, the the realization 
dawns on these parents' faces that this guy, this this monstrosity son that they thought they killed, has actually taken over um, Philip. You know, the, the the one son they loved. And in the final shot, you see the 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 eye. One one of his eyes is completely white, isn't it? Completely like mm-hmm. Adam. Yeah, yeah. So I still can't completely completely control those powers. That's why I look like. So he hasn't he hasn't quite been able to sort of master all his powers. He's, he's not quite the finished article, but um, yeah. Wow, what a story. <laughs> mm, yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those endings where I was like you know what, this worked out pretty good because mm. I, I just, uh, Kane is there in the last uh, panel as well. And he says, mm. then there was no longer any way to escape the truth. There was no way to hide from the agony that would haunt them until the day they died. And I thought to myself, I was initially thinking, oh, he's going to kill the two of them right here and now. But I thought, you know what? No, he probably isn't because it's going to haunt them till the day they died, which I kind of feel means he's going to just, you know, take off and go lead a normal life somewhere and the two of them are going to be just guilt ridden and mm. you know who, who knows what might uh they might do to themselves because they can't take yeah. it anymore yeah absolutely uh, and yeah and um i thought this was very sort of more ec-esque than, than mm-hmm. the other stories um it's got that feel to it yeah but uh, yeah real r- real brutal onslaught on the fields all the way through this one was uh, yeah this is a, another one of my favorites this is this is one of my top three here for sure in the book i really enjoyed this one quite a bit really really good stuff but all right well why don't we jump to the next story which is uh not scared to death uh scared to life and it's a uh, script marv wolfman and pencils and inks by Bernie Wrightson, and it, it is a reprint. It uh, mm. not too not too uh, far in the past though. It's from uh, House of Mystery uh, 180, which was May June 1969. So just just going back a few short years with this one here, and uh, I, I will say with this one, uh, it's just a, a quick little three pager again, and mm. it's not a bad story at all. But to me, Wrightson's art way outshines uh, the story here by Wolfman. How do you feel about this one? Yeah. Um... Yeah, Bernie is probably the the best bit of art in the whole issue, in, in the whole hundred pages. I thought um, with the Redondo one, probably second. Um, it is you can just see the step up in quality, even on the this sort of three quarter splash you got. Um, the story itself didn't quite make much sense to me. I have to say, <laughs> uh, I was kind of. Yeah racking my brain for the twist here um but yeah i i i agree with you that, that some gorgeous rights and art and nobody draws kane quite like rights and i think uh mm-hmm. mm. yeah yeah this one was uh i don't know if marv needed like two more pages or something here but it's mm. just you know it's the a guy yeah. yeah yeah it's a guy that's just like on uh, vacation here uh in i think he's uh, up up in ireland yeah and yeah. He, he wakes up and hears a noise and he goes out to see what the noise is and he sees a person and it's, it's a guy carrying a coffin and he keeps mm. talking to the guy and the guy's just ignoring him like he doesn't even hear him and he does come face to face with the guy and when you do see the panel where they come face to face we can't really see the guy's face but you can kind of see a little bit of it that you know, it's almost like the face of death, it says in the caption box here. Mm. It scares, mm. scares the crap out of the guy, which, okay, yeah, mm. that, that would be kind of creepy. But, you know, we just, uh, the guy just goes about his business mm. and year, years pass by 
And then he's uh, attending a diplomatic meeting in London, and he goes towards an elevator, and uh, the, the elevator operator says, floor, please. And he goes, oh, my Lord, it's him. And we do see when he looks at the elevator operator, it's like a bit of a skull-like face. Yeah. It's like it's, it's death again. So, I mean, I guess he just kind of escapes death here at the very yeah, end of the story. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I read this as um, this guy that he sees while he's on holiday in Ireland is like symbolic of death as you said and I think the caption says face of death and he's carrying a coffin so the next time he sees him I guess it's a foreshadowing of death somehow and because he's so terrified he doesn't go in the elevator um, and there's an accident and everybody in the elevator died and he sort of survived. So, you know, it's one bum, three pages and, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's not like it was a bad, like, Oh, that was a horrible story, but it just for three pages, it just didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least we got rights and artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, on the Grand Comics database here, it lists uh, a Sergio Aragonis uh, Kane's game room next. But for me, in the Omnibus edition here, it just goes right into the next story. So is that what's in the issue? A Kane's game room? Yep, there is a Kane's game room. And, and which one is it? it so it's... There are three very elongated panels, and it is like okay. a it is, it is like a joke sort of uh, depicted in each one. So the first one is is a guy sort of sat on his porch reading the paper, and behind his house there are some tree stumps where, where the trees have been chopped, and there's this one big long tree, <laughs> and it's, it's he's, and this guy this guy who's been cutting, chopping the trees like coming up to this guy on his porch, and he's saying timber like the, the tree is about to come down on your house. Yeah. Uh, then then the then the middle shot is a guy um, uh, with his head in the stock waiting for the guillotine to come down, um, and I think the guillotine is. is I could be wrong, but it looks like in it, it's an it's a classic razor blade r rather than a mm -hmm. guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> so he's sort of looking up, glancing, up, thinking, "What the hell?" You know. And there's an execution yeah. there with a hood on. <laughs> and my favorite, my my favorite of these three parts is is um, there's a maze, uh, and it's really sort of almost you know it, it stretches infinitely back into the. Um, the the, mm -hmm. the top of the you know the perspective of the, this panel so uh -huh. this this guy sort of reached the end of the maze and he's jumping for joy and he's just about to come out the final bit and sort of round the corner is a <laughs> is a is a lion waiting for him so a yeah. hungry lion <laughs> yeah yeah, so. yeah for yeah. some reason in the omnibus they stuck that between uh the the house of mystery two pager where you get a tour of the house of mystery and uh yeah. The last story, either the last or next next to the last story, out of this world. I think that's the last story in there for me. So I don't yeah. know why. Maybe it had something to do with, you know, what they wanted on each page here. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> but, yeah, it's funny. I think that one's great, too, with the maze and the hungry lion. That one's the best. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, yeah really it's that's quite good. But uh, that's what I, uh, we've come to expect from Sergio Aragonis. Great, uh, great, great artist. Love him. 
Hey everybody, Billy D just jumping in here real quick. Um, just to let you know, this is about the halfway point of this episode. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to take a quick break anywhere to, uh, you know, start up another uh, another day a few hours later or whatever, this would be a, a good point to uh, hit the old pause button. Between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of. Hither came heroes and villains possessing swords and magic, whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Days of High Adventure, a new podcast discussing a variety of comics that fall into the fantasy or sword and sorcery genre. Available on most podcast services and Anchor FM. So, uh, all right, well, why don't we jump into the School for Sorcerers here. And this is uh, another reprint from back in the day. It's from uh, House of Mystery, number 74, from May 1958. And no uh, credit for scripture on this one, but uh, the artist is, and I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, Bill Eli, maybe, would you say? That's, that's how I read, yeah, Bill Eli, yeah. Um, E-L-Y, yeah, the last yeah. name there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's who it is. And uh, uh, this one, uh, this is an interesting one, too. I, I did like this one. Uh, it's not one of my favorites, but I thought it was a, a fun story as well, too. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there, there's a little bit of an intro here uh, at the top of uh, this page here uh, by Kane. So uh, uh, why don't you uh, yeah. indulge us there? Okay. Okay, so this is the school for sorcerers. And you got Kane at the top, and he's saying, who remembers the great Jakarta? Once the world's foremost magician whose amazing exploits mystified millions. Today, an old man, he passes on his bag of tricks to aspiring young magicians, but Jakarta will long remember the day his college for conjurers turned into the school for sorcerers. So this guy, um, I guess he sort of exposes magicians' tricks um mm-hmm. and sort of exposes the the tricks that people use to create the illusions and that's it seems to hold a class <laughs> I, i've never <laughs> heard of a class uh yeah magic <laughs> it's uh yeah it's i was in a, it's a bit, bit odd but uh yeah he holds a class and he has students who sort of um he teaches about all the tricks people use to create these illusions. So that's a different one. That's a new one on me. Um, first of all, <laughs> in the class that I looked for. But, uh, and uh, we have this, another sort of three-quarter splash or almost a half-page splash. And in, he's saying, in, in the first lesson, lesson, I shall prove that even sorcerers of old used ordinary tricks to get their effects. And he's opened up a chest and there's like this sort of mystical being rising out hooded and uh, these kids are sort of there's three students there and they're all pretty scared and they're like what about that figure rising from the chest near him and and then that's the kind of teaser and then we, we sort of we track back again and start the story um at the college for conjurers <laughs> <laughs> I'd sign me up, you know, where, 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 where can I go? To... Where's that at? Yeah, yeah. 
it did kind of it did kind of remind me i can't remember the name of the television show but there was a television show i think it's oh my gosh at least 10 if not 15 years ago because i i remember my kids being quite young at the time where a a masked guy had these specials on television and they'd be like at least an hour if not two hours long and he was uh uh, having these shows where he would perform a trick that you would see at, you know, a, a very high level trick that you would see, you know, like the yes. David Copperfields of the world's doing. And he would do that. And he was, you know, giving up all these secrets. And I remember like hearing that a lot of those kind of people were pissed off about. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And I think because they have this, isn't it called the magic circle? These they belong to a, a like a club, you know, or something. These these magicians or something. I I could be wrong, um, but and and uh, he got a lot of backlash from magicians. Yeah, and it was real, you know. Yep, because he would do the trick and then he would show yeah. how it was done. So yeah, they they got really yeah. pissed off at him. <laughs> yeah, but I enjoyed it. I liked it to be yeah, honest. It was good. You. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, what this kind of reminded me of. I think he didn't have a school, yeah, yeah. but it did remind me of him being like. Because, of course, all these students are like, you know, how did they do this and how did they do that? And he's he, he's he's revealing it all. He's showing them all how he did it. And, uh, you know, it, it does. Uh, it, I do like this ending a bit. So these these uh, students, I guess they're, they they get a little tired of this guy, you know, saying, oh, there's no real magic. It's, it's it can all be defunct. But they mm. found out through the grapevine that a, a shop, a magic shop down the street got in a shipment of like old stuff that's supposedly legit. So. They want to go down there and buy it, and the, the old yeah. guy won't won't sell it to them. He's like, no, 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 I can't sell you this stuff. And they're like, all right, we'll just – he goes – I love how they say to him. Uh, the one guy says, oh, come on, Welky, be a sport. Let us borrow this stuff then. And he goes, well, all right, but I really think I'm making a mistake. And the other kid says, thanks, Pop. We'll take good care of them. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. this poor old guy. <laughs> And mm -hmm. and again, I, I think this is one of those stories. You know, when I read, I, I read this a while back when you first got in touch with me. That you know we, we're gonna have a go at this one. And then I kind of it's been a while, so I recapped last night. And and this this was one of the ones that were more on the absurd side. Um, so they they get these things from this magician shop. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and you've got, um, I think it's a, like a bird, mm -hmm. a, a, a bird cage, and that bird becomes alive all of a sudden. It's like it's like a a model yeah, of a yeah. bird, and then it becomes alive. Wave a wand in front of it, and it comes yeah. alive. And it flies away, yeah. <laughs> and and then there's a, there's like a very sort of Buddha like statuette, um, mm -hmm. and it talks. Uh, when they light the candle or something uh, yeah, like the incense I, yeah at first i was thinking they were you know firing up like a little bong here i was like all right man here we go yeah, no yeah. no it's not that it's not that good yeah. <laughs> and and then they have a chest and this mm. is the one you know they they open uh they open the chest and um this sorcerer sort of material materializes out of there you know Sirocco. The hell out of them. Yeah, yeah, Sirocco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, and and he, one of the guys tries to sort of make a run for it, and this this sorcerer, uh, he kind of 
releases a lightning bolt or energy bolt from his hand and freezes freezes this guy in place so he couldn't move. Poor Roger. Yeah. <laughs> and then he flips the three of them upside mm. down too. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And they're really scared here. And I mean, rightly so. And he goes, and now my loyal apprentices, you shall serve me well in my practice of magic. And he goes, what have you done? We've, what have we done? We've unloosed a monster. But mm. then the sun starts to come up and he pulls like a vampire routine here. He says, oh, I can't be out in the sunlight. You know, uh, I must return to the chest, but you apprentices must open again after the sun sets. So, of course, uh, they shut it and they're like, lock it, lock it. And mm. uh, Jakarta comes in. And this is, <laughs> uh, I, I do like this. He's like, hey, boys, I hope uh, you, uh, you, you teach, you, you hope to teach me a good lesson but I've taught you one instead. You know, I was uh, outside the window when I heard you guys plotting to uh, teach me. So uh, uh, I was behind all these illusions. It was just a bunch of tricks because I went to the magician's shop before you got there and rigged all this stuff. And they're like, no way. And he shows them the trick with the bird and shows them the trick with the little Buddha. But then they're like, oh, well, you had us, Prof. Tell us, how did you pull off that trick with the sorcerer in the chest? And he goes, sorcerer, chest. I don't know what you're talking about, basically. Yeah. And they were like, what? So that part was real. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. That that pesky Jakarta, always one step ahead. <laughs> and uh, I mean, if you sort of look, uh, if, if, you, if you read a little bit like the Samson story, if you're kind of reading behind the scenes and filling in the gaps of what happened, this guy, Jakarta, really sort of really went went to great lengths to sort of teach these guys a lesson didn't they planting all this yeah. stuff in the shop and everything <laughs> and uh, managed to find time to put a two-way radio in in the thing and uh, in, in the buddha, buddha statuette <laughs> and, uh, you know, got, got a live bird somehow and yeah and then obviously the twist here is there's no explanation for the sirocco the sorcerer who's who's trapped in the box and um they're They're like like, chain it up yeah screw that you know we're not gonna open that again so yeah (laughs) oh yeah that was a funny one i i Mm. it it was good it was fun it was yeah just for a be a fun story with a funny ending you know there was nothing nothing scary or mysterious about that one but it was funny i i I did like it (laughs) we we, kind of needed that after the previous story (laughs) you're not kidding Yeah. (laughs) yeah so all right, well, let's uh, jump into the next story. And uh, this is, again, this is one of my favorites. Uh, the Perfect yeah, Mate. Oh, and this one is, uh, the script is Robert Kaniger, but it's a story idea by a guy named Michael Pelowski. So I'm assuming this is a short story somewhere that Robert Kaniger is, uh, you know, adapting here. And then Pencils and Inks by Jess Jodleman. And this is a name I didn't know before I started diving into these DC anthologies. I had never seen this name before, and he had done a story that I covered Oh, my gosh. It was one of the DC horror titles, but one of the uh, anthology titles, but one of the like, you know, not House of Mystery, House of Secrets, but one of the, the the smaller ones. I can't remember which one it is, but it only lasted maybe like 40 issues or something like that. And uh, his name popped up in one story with these giant vampire bats. And I was just blown away by the guy's artwork. I loved it. I yeah, I. I So when I was reading this, I, I looked at the name uh, Jess Jodleman, like you. Um did a quick search. Um, apparently, the guy's name was Jesus, and Jess was his nickname, Jodleman. I'd never heard of him before. But then, I, I, I if you if you get a moment, um, if you look on my Twitter page, 
I earlier on, because I was looking through his stuff, and earlier on I, I posted this Conan splash that he did, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, mm. this this guy's lines are beautiful. It, this this is one talented guy. Yeah, uh, uh, he he's part of this Filipino wave of artists, super talented like Alcala and and people who and and you know the, the DC sort of unleashed them on on these House of Mystery and House of Secret titles. There's some really talented guys there. Um, you know, you, you've got the Redondos, Alcala, as we saw. Um, but this this guy, he's he's you search for his stuff it's on another level entirely a really impressive artist i gotta say i gotta say mm. really impressive and this looks gorgeous it really does and kane mm. kane looks maniacal in in this first <laughs> part absolutely yeah. maniacal yeah super creepy it was a uh, weird mystery tales was where i had seen him i think it was issue 15 mm. maybe and oh, that's i have right. that i have that yeah so i'm gonna take a look at that later yeah i have yeah that. Great, great, great story in there. Just giant bats. Oh, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, this one, uh, like we said, the perfect mate. And uh, Kane uh, introduces it by saying, they say marriages are made in heaven. Then why do the wedding vows contain the chilling promise till death do us part? <laughs> Here comes Baroness Irina von Holberg, mistress of Holberg Castle. She is young, beautiful, rich and lovely, ceaselessly seeking the perfect mate. And uh yeah, I, I like the, this one beginning to end. You know, she's she's looking for a husband, basically. And, you know, she uh, meets up with a guy, uh, Friedrich, and he's like, marry me and make me the happiest of men. And she's like, and what of me, Friedrich? Will I be the happiest of women as your bride? She says, look into my eyes and tell me mm. the truth, Friedrich. Why do you really want to marry me? And, you know, as she you know stares into his eyes and he stares into hers, She's get she gets a bit of a, a psychotic look in her eyes here, right? And says, "You are helpless mm. to resist." Answer, answer. Mm. And then, what does he say? <laughs> yeah, so she I, she seems to have um, like an enchanting um, ability, and so it she kind of she's able to bring out the truth from these guys. And he says, "I dream only of your wealth." Which is the mm -hmm. wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he he's not really interested in her. Uh, he's just interested in her money because obviously she's royalty. Mm -hmm. And with that, uh, the the horses start trembling. And I guess uh, Irina transforms into like a giant bat kind of creature, mm -hmm. a night nightmarish thing, and she <laughs> takes this guy. And just flies away with him and heads towards head heads toward the castle. Mm -hmm. uh, she's like a, a winged ghoul, as as a caption says, and into the hall of silent horror. And and then up on the wall, I guess, <laughs> are all these other suitors who were never interested in in her, but interested in her wealth. <laughs> Wrong answer. And and they're all sort of uh, they're beheaded and they're sort of put on the walls like trophies uh so mm -hmm. yeah yeah and she basically yeah she basically says that she says farewell friedrich you will end up in my trophy room with the other scheming suitors and what about that paid that panel there with that transformation oh my gosh Absolutely amazing yeah real 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 great pencil work from this guy uh mm. yeah that, that yeah really 
Fantastic. Yeah, it almost looks like Man Bat on the far mm, left, and then you know yeah. slowly changes into the you know back into a, a beautiful woman here, mm. from beast into beauty. It says, and then uh, you know she kind of is sitting there having dinner by herself, the you know uh, a day or two later, whatever, and you know oh I'm gonna be alone and this and that. And, oh well, uh, she's gonna meet up with another suitor, and <laughs> I think we know where this is going. He says. Uh, <laughs> You know, I care nothing for your wealth, Irina. I would marry you if you were penniless. And she goes, would you, Boris? Then look into my eyes and tell me why you really want to marry me. Open your heart to me. Answer, answer. And uh, he does. And he says, I crave the power I would wield as your royal consort. And uh, like you said, uh, wrong answer, pal. And how about that panel of him, like, shrinking back because we know she's uh, transforming into that back creature again. What a panel. Wow, very effective, yeah, yeah, because we, we can't see her transforming, we just sort of get the effect of, of, of what it's having on this guy, and, and he looks terrified, I mean, he looks really petrified, doesn't he? And then we see uh, why in the next panel, <laughs> yeah, oh so my she, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so she's so 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 for the sake of uh, your listeners, she this she's transformed into this ghoulish bat creature, uh, uh, roughly sort of human shape, a um, uh, human size, sorry, big mm-hmm. wings, and he's passed out, and she's just sort of cowering over, uh, just sort of hovering over him, I guess, re- get, getting ready to take him away. Uh, it's a really good, um, really good uh, depiction there. Mm-hmm. You know what it kind of reminded me of? That uh, Dracula movie from the early 1990s. I can't remember what the name of it was, but uh, uh, it, it had uh, some really good uh, actors in it. But, uh, you know, some people love it, some people don't. But it was that really big budget Dracula film from like 1991, 2, oh, the, 3, somewhere the, there. The, the, the Coppola one. Yeah, the, how the there's that one. scene. Yeah, that scene where the, 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 the vampire hunter crew is kind of closing in on uh, what's yeah. his name and he looks like a bit wolfish baddish and he's like almost yeah. in humanoid form still flying yeah. around yeah kind of reminded yeah, me of that a yeah. little bit yeah it does a little bit yeah that that would I, I really um that that film didn't quite hit the mark for me mm-hmm. the, yeah. it, it was it, it, it was it's always interesting to see gary oldman because he's so watchable you know and because mm-hmm. he he, he did some really rangy roles, did different roles during this time. Yeah. And, um, but those depictions, um, I remember th- looking at those and thinking like, wow, you know, we kind of would love to see a Wolfman movie with, with the guy with the werewolf looking like that, you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 look, they look, it was so good, so well shot. And then we kind of got it years later with the Benicio del Toro film. And it was a very similar looking werewolf, wasn't it? But yeah, this yeah. This, does, this does sort of uh, have a yeah similar sort of feel to 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 the to to, to the film you just mentioned, yeah, the Coppola film. Yeah, I love how she's walking down the hallway with all these heads looking at her that are on plaques. <laughs> and she says, "Am I doomed to spend the rest of my existence alone? When will I ever find the perfect mate? When, when, when?" And there's all these heads there. It's really creepy. And then she meets up with, uh, you know, uh, it looks like a witch here, but she's uh, reading her palm and says, uh, "Your next suitor will not be an imposter. He will want neither your wealth nor mm. your royal station." And she goes. If I could only believe that. And by the way, there's a bunch of people dancing yeah. virtually naked and maybe some de- yeah. demons too in a cemetery behind her. Yeah. Like, what is going on here? 
Yeah. Mm, really um, creepy, huh? Very, very. There's like a, an occult ritual going on in the background there, in, in a cemetery, no less. So, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> mm, and then uh, the next day, terrified by a snarling wolf, the Baroness horse runs madly away until. Mm. So, her horse gets spooked by a wolf. Okay, cool. And uh, as she's almost like getting thrown off, some guy comes in as she claims he rode like a centaur to save me. Who are you? And he says, Count Ivor. You need not tell me your name, Baroness Irina. It is branded on my heart. I ask only to prove my love for you. And she goes, you will be given your chance, Count Ivor, in the days to come. So I guess they do a little bit of courting here. And she does say to him, you know, what do you want from me? And he goes, not your wealth, nor your rank, but yourself alone. And she goes, then I am yours. It is the answer I have longed here. You are the perfect mate I have dreamed of. But then as he's kissing her, she starts screaming, no, no, no. And there's something about Count Ivor here that's a bit off, right? <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, and wow, I mean, what, what a great panel that is! In you know, she's Ooh. screaming no, 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 and then we see why, and you see, you see, um, <clears throat> like an L-shaped panel, isn't it? And uh, mm -hmm. in in the bottom left, sorry, yeah, the bottom left, you see Count Ivor, and then he, there's a, like a four stage transformation into this werewolf mm. and it's a, and it's a really striking face isn't it i mean uh, it's oh a scary gosh. looking werewolf yeah and he's he's got she's passed out and he's he's holding her and it was like uh that's the end you know it was like he he did all of that just to just a killer <laughs> yeah just, and i mean yeah you know like, there's no there's no blood or anything there but you're getting the impression she's either dead or she's unconscious and she's soon to be dead which uh yeah what yeah. a werewolf i mean i know uh for me personally the the gold standard for a werewolf is bernie wrightson's werewolf in uh, swamp mm. thing i think it might be issue three yeah. or four somewhere in there whether that's that's the gold standard for a werewolf but i gotta tell you this is this, good this yeah. is really good. This is really close. It's really yeah. good. It's it's up there. Yeah. Very, oh, very man. striking depiction. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Man. Great story. Another one of my top favorites. I, I really like that story quite a bit. Really liked it. So, all right. Well, uh, why don't we uh, jump in here to, uh, there's a little uh, in for, for me, there's uh, Kane's Gargoyles mm -hmm. is next. Yeah, I got that. Kane's Gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. A little I quick too. Yeah, I yep. think it's just a, a quick training guide on on you know what to do when you get a gargoyle egg and how to raise them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, be, be careful <laughs> because they like to devour their masters, so you got to train them properly and everything. So yeah, he needs to, a, he needs to get two victims a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to make sure you provide enough for him so he doesn't turn on you. Um, and, and you know what, <clears throat> I gotta say. Um, I, I, it's it's stuff like this that really made House of Mystery, um, you know, like a fun comic. Uh, mm -hmm. th these little things just just make it worth your while. I, I really loved all this back in the day. I mean, yeah. I, I was I was just a kid when this came up, but when I backtracked and and the ones I got hold of when I was a kid, it was just it was just different to anything else out there from DC. Um, but but I, I love all this stuff, the Sergio Aragona stuff and, and this sort of little cane sort of comedy moments of the gargoyle and everything. And that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, 
stuff you just will not see today you know no it, it's really it did it did make this book different and better than everything else that was out there i feel like there was nothing else like it well i mean this 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 book was uh what year was this 1974 i think four yeah so you know i not long been born but um if you think about it um on the I, I don't, I don't want to start any sort of disputes with anybody here, but I, I, I think it's pretty obvious you know, Marvel were really on top with, with the superhero stuff. Yeah. They, they were doing um, more, you know, soap opera style stories with you know, one storyline blurring into another, very continuity heavy. Mm -hmm. DC had very little in, um, instances of that kind of thing. Uh, I think the marvelization sort of started happening when these bullpen people started coming over in the late 70s and early 80s. Things started to change then. Um, but for me, and, and then so Marvel also had, you know, some great horror titles like Tomb of Dracula and Werewolf, etc. cetera, uh, Werewolf by Night. But the, the, the war stuff, like Sergeant Rock and Unknown Soldier, um, House of Mystery, House of Secrets, especially House of Mystery, the, the formula was really spot on. I think they, they really nailed it, DC. It was a standard. I, I, I don't think Marvel quite cracked the anthology horror sort of um, uh, department very well. Mm -hmm. we, we we did Tower of Shadows and that didn't uh, a few months ago and that didn't last long either, did it? So, yeah, the, the formula for House of Mystery was spot on. I th I thought it was really good and it was really interesting. And I was it went for three hundred and twenty one issues, so that's just too bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a in an era dominated with with a readership really clamoring for superhero stuff, it it stuck it out quite well. I thought. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. To me, if you're talking about a horror character, obviously Marvel, yeah, Tomb of Dracula, uh, Werewolf by Night, all that fantastic stuff, great stuff, love it. Uh, but when you're talking about anthology horror, it's not even close. DC mm. blew them out of the water, and Marvel tried. You know, we talked about Tower of Shadows in our last recording. Mm, did, they, yeah. they, they 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 did some good things, but there was never enough of a level of consistency to even uh, try to catch up with what DC had been doing for a few years already. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we got a couple more stories here. So let's uh, mm. let's knock these guys out. So, the wishes of doom. Uh, this is uh, nobody knows the scripter, but uh, Kurt Swan and George Klein uh, artwork here, yeah. which you know that to me screams uh, you know Superman or something yeah. like that, Superman, Superboy. But uh, this is from House of Mystery uh, number ten from January nineteen fifty three, and uh, our buddy Kane here says, <laughs> "What's the one thing that you're always wanted more than anything else in the world? Riches, beauty, brains." Here's your chance to pick any one, but we warn you, every wish carries with it a curse. You'll still take your chances, you say? Very well, but before you finally decide, see what happens to the four people in the story that follows. Four people whose dreams came true, four people who dared to defy the wishes of doom. And, you know, this one's basically about, you know, these people, like he said, these four different people that run across this little uh, idol, mm. uh, this little this little head a golden head. I'm not sure what uh, part of the world it's from, but you know, it says on the bottom of it that, you know, you can get you just one wish uh, from mm. this and it'll grant it for you. And uh, the first poor slob here, he, uh, I guess he apparently just killed somebody recently. 
And uh, yeah. he, wants, he wants to bring them back. So that's what he uses his wish on. But uh, it doesn't really end up in his favor there, does it? <laughs> no, I mean, but, you know, right there, let, 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 <laughs> this this is a bit of a problematic opening because the guy just came back to life. Uh, he turned up at his house and, and shot him dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I thought to myself, how did he so even he got, know where this guy lived? Yeah, so, 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 you know, obviously, the, the, he, he was obviously feeling guilty. He killed a guy. Uh, so, he, you know, he thought, I, I'll, I'll use this sort of idol, wish him back to life. Mm-hmm. And the idol sort of comes with the curse, and and the, so he, he his wish came true, and obviously the curse is he this guy ends up taking his revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said he, he says, "Ha, you thought you had killed me, but it's I who's going to kill you." So I, I guess time has reversed itself or something, because like you know what uh-huh. <laughs> he he was dead up until now, presumably for. You know, more than just a, a few hours or something. Probably a long, long time has passed. But anyway, it's it's one of these um, probably nitpicking too much into the into the logic behind the, <laughs> the, the story here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you can't uh, put these up to too much scrutiny, or else you'll just mm. <laughs> they'll drive you mad. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. are all have an ironic. Well, three out of the four have a bit of an ironic ending to them. So yeah. then we see um, a, an unhappy girl who wanders down a side street and. Uh, there's a, a woman who, you know, just is a regular looking woman here, but she's in love with this uh, Jimmy guy and she uh, can't seem to get him to notice her. So she finds the idol and buys it. And, you know, it says uh, on the bottom again, you make a wish, you know, and she's like, OK, uh, even though it says there'll be a curse along with the wish, she doesn't care. So she tells it to make her beautiful and she does uh, get some uh, very nice features to her here. And mm-hmm. then uh, she gets a phone call and it's a uh, Jimmy and he's like, Hello, Jane, this is Jimmy. I didn't have the nerve to say it before, but I love you, darling. May I come over? Which, you know, mm-hmm. very 1950s here. Uh, he hasn't even dated the girl once, but he's in love with her. It's like, okay, Jimmy, calm down. Uh, and he does have a bit of a Jimmy Olsen look about him, right? <laughs> yeah, was very, yeah, very Jimmy Olsen look. Uh, as Bow-tie. do a lot of Kurt Swan's uh, <laughs> people. <laughs> Um, I do like Kurtz, uh, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I was very good artist. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, he Jimmy comes over. Uh, when she answers the door, he's like, "Oh, I thought this was Jane's address," and he's like, "It, it is, you ninny. I'm Jane." Uh, and then he, he basically freaks out, saying, "No, oh, you sound like her. You must be a witch. Would, but you must be a witch. I'm getting out of here." leave me so obviously her curse was she wanted to be beautiful and ended up sort of losing the guy who loved her for the way she was and not not for uh this person she's become so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, number two yeah yeah i felt like if this would have been written back in the 90s jimmy would have just stayed for a hookup and then he just would have left the next day because he would have been creeped out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably you know, 15 years ago that's how that would have been oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but she chucks it out the window and it lands in a, a moving truck uh, mm. in the and, and of course there was a guy that made a big art purchase so he's just like huh you know this must have just got uh, you know thrown in uh, along with the other stuff i bought and he's talking to his buddy here and apparently you know he's rich he's good looking he basically has everything uh, anybody could want but uh He's going to use this anyway because he's going to wish 
that he is the first man to visit the moon. Uh, <laughs> well, this is uh, now see th- th- this this is what I was alluding to when we when we kicked off. The very beginning. So, so I, yeah. I know, I know. You said we should, you know, some of this stuff shouldn't scrutinize it too much, but this one, come on. I mean, I, I laughed. I have to say, I don't know if you love. I laugh. Oh yeah, this is crazy. So, he he does get yeah. to the moon, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he gets to the moon. So he gets a call from somebody who's working on a sort of new rocket. rocket yeah, like and um, and I, I guess this is before anybody's been to the moon. So yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and and this guy says, look, give me the funding, and he says, I'll do better than that. I'll even go up and uh, in the rocket. So it'd be the guinea pig. Uh, anyway. Rocket takes off. This guy makes it to the moon. Martin, uh, 238,800 miles away. Uh, he makes it to the moon and he's all happy, but how do I get back? <laughs> so there, there's no provision for him to return to Earth, which, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, come on, man. You know, and um, so the guys <laughs> on the ground are oh damn you know how could i have been you know the the, the guy who designed this rocket is like, yeah. how could i have been so utterly stupid and this guy is a friend uh, he's like <laughs> it wasn't your fault martin you know <laughs> <laughs> he, he was doomed. <laughs> he doomed doomed by that curse no actually um it kind of is your fault you <laughs> yeah you, you, built, you built a rocket to go to the moon and you, there's no way of getting the rocket back down to Earth. Uh, I'd say that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, it curse my arse. He should have yeah. <laughs> made sure he could get back. That's not a curse. Yeah. Yeah. Kind, of well, overlooked, uh, kind of overlooked a few details there in your planning, uh, you know, like, like, like making the return trip back to Earth. It's just uh, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. But the final story here. Uh, this one, uh, it, th- we still get an ironic ending to the overall story, but this specific vignette mm. where, you know, there's a guy Happy here ending. who's, uh, yeah, yeah there's, there's a guy here who wants, you know, wants there to be uh, places for kids to be able to play without being in the streets. You know, he wants to like build playgrounds for the kids uh, so they're not out, you know, playing uh, baseball and things in the streets because a car almost swerves and hits a kid. So he he finds it. And of course, he makes the wish to be like, hey, you know. I, I wish, uh, you know, there were all these uh, playgrounds for kids so they would get off the streets and not get hurt. And then all of a sudden he looks at a, uh, a newspaper and it says wealthy uh, matron leaves millions for playgrounds. So he's like, all right. But then I don't know if it's his wife or girlfriend here is like, oh, no, you know, there's there's going to be a curse. Um, but it, yeah, then it turns she, out there's another description um, mm-hmm. hidden inside, isn't there? Um, <laughs> Yeah, and it says, but if your wish is for the good of mankind, no curse will befall you. So yeah. he's, he, he's good to go. But then he does think to himself, you know, that's fantastic. But this is, you know, really a, a dangerous thing here. So we, we need to get rid of this. So they see the yeah. trash truck coming by and uh, they throw it in because it's on its way to the incinerator. And then the last panel. But and <laughs> there's a guy with like a bit of a. Uh, it almost looks like a bit of farm equipment here. Like he's going to pick a bunch of stuff up with his little uh, uh, machine here and put it in the incinerator. He goes, shall I start loading the garbage on the conveyor into the incinerator, boss? And the boss says, yeah, but wait till I grab this little thing out. I'll take it home with me. My wife goes for junk like this. Yeah. It's all over the house. Ha ha. So yeah. here we go. The the, the, the fun continues. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you just knew, you know, 
it is there's a lot of there's a lot there is a lot of um throwing this thing out the window yeah <laughs> over people the just, story yeah and it people ending throw up crap in, out yeah and it ending and it's ending up in somebody else's hands that uh, you know it, it was a it's a good story I, it was it was fun uh, it, was, it was enjoyable yeah a um, bit of fun yeah and why not <laughs> you know we could, we could do with a happy ending here and there it's not too bad mm-hmm so, all right. Well, uh, let's ju- jump into uh, the, the the penultimate story here. We have uh, oh, the haunted yeah. the, the haunted melody, and this one's wild. And uh, again, no, uh, we have no idea who wrote this one, but that Bill Eli again on art here mm. that we saw earlier, and this is uh, originally from House of Mystery number fifty eight from January nineteen fifty seven. So, yeah, uh, what do you think of this uh, intro here by Kane? What is he uh, talking about here? So, you know, first things first, I was kind of worried that this intro would land on me because <laughs> I, I, the, the moment you told me, the, you know, uh, earlier on, I, th- I think, was it last night you got in touch and said, oh, oh no, we'll swap the intros. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I think I can't, I can't be saying this stuff into a mic, but here I am. <laughs> anyway, so this is, this is what Kane says for the haunted melody. He says, ah, God help me. What strange powers did the organ grinder Emil Masser suddenly acquire that made listeners to his organ willingly drop their life savings into the tin cup of Bongo, his monkey. <laughs> here, <laughs> here is one of the most amazing stories of the year. Um, you have the title, The Haunted Melody, with some musical mm. notes around it. So, yeah, I, <laughs> fantastic. Well, all I thought of first of is, is what is that? I can't remember... It's in the Superman stories somewhere, the older ones, where there's a monkey that turns into a giant like King Kong. But his name's not Bongo, is it? What is his name? Um, I can't remember. But there, there is one that was in the, the – because they used apes all the time yeah, in this era. Yeah, yeah. There was apes. Yeah, that's it. Titano. Yeah. Titano. That's Titano, it. Because yeah. at first yeah. I was thinking, is it the same name here? What are they trying to pull? Mm. But no, no. Titano, not Bongo. DC loved their apes back in the day, didn't they? I have a trade. I don't know where it is. It's it's creeping around somewhere downstairs at my house here where it's just DC apes. And a lot yeah. of it is uh, the older Silver Age stories. There, I think there's mm. a couple modern stories in there, which I don't mm. care. I don't even read them. But the, the Silver Age ones, oh, I love them. They're great. I, I have, um, I think it's one of the, is it the D, a DC special or DC special series? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's called superheroes versus super gorillas or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it's probably probably some of the reprints uh in your trade um but yeah mm-hmm. they, they kind of they, they they did they did love they did like their apes dc and uh pretty funny mm-hmm. um, i can't i can't remember who the editor was but one of the editors at one time said you know apes sell comics basically like i did my homework and if we put apes on a comic cover it sold better. I, I, we, I remember I, reading that, actually. <laughs> Julie I, I Schwartz, believe, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise oh. me the least. Uh, um, I love the artwork here, though. The artwork, again, by Bill Eli is great. I love it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's really good, distinctive. Better here than, than the previous one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this organ grinder, he... he, he He's quite a sinister-looking fellow, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's real creepy-looking. Yeah. Emil. Very, yeah, Emil Master. Very, very blackened, sort of under the eyes and everything. Real creepy mm-hmm. sort of look. Yeah. So. But he. Yeah. Yeah. He knows yeah. what he knows what he's got here, though. He knows somehow. Mm. He knows that this 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 machine 
when it starts pumping out the music, it has some kind of uh, power to force people to just, you know, whatever they've got, whether it's a dollar or a hundred dollars, take it out and put it in the, the, the cup here. And I was just like, wow, holy crap. He's like really ripping these people off. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's, he's, he's initially, he's, he started off in the poor neighborhood. Uh, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He doesn't care, does he? He doesn't give a damn. He's like, oh, I'll take the money, you know. So, um, yeah. And, and then we get to find out in flashback how this happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so apparently he's on a sort of tour around the museum. Yeah. And somebody's showing him around. And he's saying, and here is the hand organ which has an interesting legend. And he's thinking, well, this looks exactly like mine. And apparently, uh, this so this tour guide is saying, like, it was Merkel the magician disguised as a beggar who composed a strange melody, melody several centuries ago that had an even stranger effect on listeners. And, and so this, this guy is playing like a, what do you call that, a loot or something? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, and and everybody's throwing their money at him, or the, or they're covering their ears because it's it's making them sort of give over everything they have. So, mm-hmm. so e- Emil's thinking uh, he sneaks back in at night into the museum, he, and <laughs> and because the the this um, organ looks just like his, I'll, I'll just substitute it with my own, and nobody will know the difference. Mm-hmm. Then he sort of takes it out in the street and sort of tests it out, doesn't he? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so you, you've you've got this couple having their dinner or something on a, on a balcony, and and his ape starts crawling the uh, scaling the tree next to them, <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're like they're like look at that filthy beggar with his filthy, and he starts playing the music, and of course the this. Bongo holds out the tin, and 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 this couple are just handing over all the money. So yeah, like a ton of cash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the woman says, "We've given that nasty little monkey a fortune, Henry. You must call the police at once." And the guy goes, "On what grounds? As you've said, we gave the money to him, but why mm. did we? Why?" So that's the thing here. Nobody can figure it out that it's yeah. some type of coercion. They're almost, you know, like I, I didn't want to, but I did anyway. So. That wouldn't hold up in court, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, he's on to he's on to a sort of a good thing in, in terms of the law. But then mm-hmm. um, that soon turns sour, doesn't it? Things soon go south for him because I believe <laughs> uh, there's a, there's like a gangster sort of two hoods. One's handing a case over, and he says, "Here's a quarter of a million dollars in counterfeit money in this valise." Uh, see mm-hmm. that it gets to the men who are waiting. He's like, right, boss. <laughs> and yeah. so on, on his way to the drop, I guess, um, he comes across, uh, you know, this organ music and bongo sat there. And, and so this this hood hands over the counterfeit money. Mm-hmm. And he goes, look, I got a quarter of a million in here. Take it, take it all. And, and sort of Emil's thinking, wow, a quarter of a million dollars. You know, I'm rich. And then you know, the next scene is like he, he's dining in the finest restaurant, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, the lady dancing around and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a hundred, my man, and keep the change. <laughs> Thank you, sir. But yeah. but a few minutes later, what are you trying to do, mister? Pass a counterfeit bill on me? Joe, call the police. And he goes, but there must be some mistake. 
And he says, thinks to himself, if the police start investigating me, they'll find out I stole the organ from the museum and I'll wind up in jail out of my yeah. way. And mm. he takes off uh, in his car here and <laughs> he smashes the living crap out of somebody in another <laughs> car trying to get away. And he says, serves you serves right you for right. getting yeah. in my way. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> oh, my God. And then yeah. uh, here, here come the cops. They're they're right on his trail, right? But he thinks, uh, you know, uh, get get the money ready. He says that uh, the monkey, because he's uh, getting ready to do a toll. <laughs> and he goes, but as he reaches the toll station, he goes, well, what are you waiting for? Let's have the money. And yeah. he goes, that music, I can't. And he starts playing it, and it forces him to give uh, money to uh, the monkey. And, the, of course, they're mm. just like, you know, the toll booth guy is like, what is going on here? In a few minutes, the pursuing police car screams to a stop, and uh, he could have gotten across in plenty of time. Why didn't he? He goes, search me. Instead of handing the money, toll money, he gave it back to the monkey there. And the next thing you know, we see him. Uh, he's uh, he's in prison with another kind of tin cup. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. A chain gang. <laughs> yeah. Nice oh, little story. Yeah. Very mm -hmm. enjoyable. And then, uh, do you dare enter the house of mystery? Uh uh, we have uh, Pat Broderick here on the first page and uh, our buddy Kane, uh, and there's a couple, and uh, they uh, come upon the House of Mystery here, right? And then we get two mm. incredible pages of Sergio Aragonis here showing a, mm. a, basically like a, a schematic of the House of Mystery, right? Incredible detail, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. In, entire double page, isn't it? And um... Oh, it's incredible. Gregory yeah, and... the Gargoyle. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 kind of like an open cross section, isn't it? So you can see into mm -hmm. all the different rooms, and I, you know, yes, yeah, so you got Gregory the Gargoyle at the top there, um, aggravated art department, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where they come to uh, overcome the is it the lack of pencils and pens. Um, <laughs> no sharp objects, you know. No sharp objects <laughs> in their toes. Uh, yeah, this this wouldn't float in today's world. Uh, there's a guy on the far right there that's uh, hung himself, and a bunch mm. of people are throwing darts at a dartboard. But there's a person's head there, and there's darts stuck into it, and mm. it almost looks like there's a Spider-Man there making an appearance. You see that? Where, 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 where? where at the dartboard? Look by the dartboard. It's like an upside down oh, Spider-Man yeah, yeah, head. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, I didn't notice that before. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. You know they did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I must admit, I, did, I didn't notice that one before. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love uh, the, the you know, the cemetery there, too. Uh, all the uh, people involved. Infantino, Pasco, Orlando, Broderick, uh, all Chandigar. those. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, fantastic. It's really yeah. good stuff. That's, that's really great. And like you said, these are the things that not only did you have good anthology stories, you also had these things that stuck out too, that were just mm. uh, all these like kind of extras that are just fantastic. Mm. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this is uh, out of this world. This is our, our last one here. Uh, this is uh, one where <laughs> this is out of this world. All right. We have a Jeff Bullock, <laughs> uh, script and uh, art by Jerry Tallock. And uh, yeah. I will say, I, I do like Jerry Tallock quite a bit. I, I you know, when Lovely I see art. him in, yeah, in a horror or a war book, I really do like his stuff. He he's a pretty talented guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um <clears throat> I've got um fairly decent runs of of DC war titles and seen a lot of Jerry Tallock in there. But yeah, very nice, very um intricate and detailed lines. And this mm -hmm. this stands out 
you know, you got the rights and the, the Redondo story, and then there's this one as well, isn't there? It's really beautiful to look at. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think these guys inked their own art here. Am I, am I correct? In yep. This? Yep. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. wholesale pencils and inks. And uh, our buddy Kane here, he's at a concert and he goes, Ever been to a rock concert? Wild, wasn't it? <laughs> the screaming, <laughs> the way out costumes, the gimmicks. Funny how yeah. it's always a gimmick that gets the crowd nowadays. All a singer has to do is come up with the right gimmick, and he's got it made. Take Chip Barrow. He went right to the top because of a gimmick. Of course, it cost him his soul, but so what? How else could a third rate put on a performance that was right out of this world? And again, we're you know, uh, you know, not too far off from you know the you know the hippies and stuff like that. So that's mm. what's going on here, and the crowd's going crazy. Yay, Bobby! Out of way, go Bobby! Right on, Bobby! And uh, a guy says he's rising right off the stage. No wonder that creep is number one <laughs> with a with a finish like that. Anyone could be a star. Anyone, even me. So, yeah, we can tell there's something a little different about this show, mm. right? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. He's he's this this lead singer is about I guess he's what four four feet off the ground or something. Mm-hmm. Three feet off the ground, and uh, that's his finishing signature piece, isn't it? Where he, where he, where he sort of levitates up and drives the crowd wild. So yeah, mm-hmm. and, then, and, Ch- and then Chip, Chip. yeah, he's he's quite jealous, isn't he? Turns out Chip knew, knows the singer. Apparently, they they started off together, didn't they, in a band? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's he's determined to find out how he's doing this. You know, how is he levitating with this gimmick, levitating off the stage like this? So he he tries to get in and see, um, to see Bobby the singer, mm-hmm. and the security guards like not letting him in, saying orders from Mister Mister Beals, who's the manager. Mm-hmm. So I guess Chip Chip. Chip's next plan is to say, well, maybe, maybe I'll just go see this Beals guy. Maybe he can uh, help me um, get a gimmick or something. All right? <laughs> yeah, there's something yeah. a little strange about uh, this Beals guy. And this harkens yeah. back to the one panel on the cover, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So he offers him a cigarette and, and then how about a light? You know, he goes light, you know, and he, and he puts his thumb up and uh, sort of the flames coming out of his thumb there always yeah. always worrying when it when a guy can do that and he's you know <laughs> yeah run away <laughs> yeah yeah so chip's like you know hey, hey how did you do that you know your fingers on fire he's like oh nonsense you know my reputation it's just one of the gimmicks you know i got a million of them you know <laughs> so uh i like this guy you know he's quite funny uh beals um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so, so yeah. chip chip sort of Chip's trying to get himself uh, fixed up with one of these gimmicks uh, from Beals, uh, but he he's not settling for any gimmick. He he wants the same one this this lead singer Bobby's got, right? And and then mm-hmm. Beals, Beals is like, whoa, whoa, slow down. I'm an ethical man. <laughs> <laughs> Once I hand out a gimmick, it's for life. You know, one to a customer. Now, if you'd sell for something else, and uh, he's uh, Chip's not having it, he's like, no, no, it's got to be the same one, you know. I can do this, you know. This this Bobby's nothing but nothing but a creep. Uh, so, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Chip Beale, Chip wants that gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beal says to him, 
you hate him that much. Okay, you can have the gimmick. Only I can't give it to you. All I can do is give you a chance at it. And he goes, that's all I ever ask. Whatever the percentage you're paying, I'll I'll double it. I'll triple it. Just name your price. And he goes, my price? Oh, you'll know my price when the time Mm. comes. Meanwhile, we'll need a contract. It's just my standard form. And he goes, that contract, all you did was point, and it's coming to you as if by itself. This is crazy. And he goes, just another gimmick, Chip. Mm. Take it easy and sign, unless you forget the whole thing, of course. No, no, I'll sign anything. And he signs it, and he goes, now, uh, uh, all I promised was to give you a chance at it, and I will, but don't worry, Chip. You'll think of something, so now goodbye. I'm a busy man. So, of course, Chip, you know, how are you going to get that gimmick if he has it? Well, there's there's one way, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, 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 this next panel has a great line, doesn't it? You say, okay, I'm on my way. But, but first, who are you? You're not just an agent, you know, are you? You you got a, you got any other names? And he's like me. Now, what gave you that idea? You you know who I am. My name is Beals, as in Beelzebub. Anyway, bye, Chip. I'll be seeing you. (laughs) (laughs) With that thought, you know, Chip left. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Chip is uh, thinking to himself, crazy, it's crazy. He said I'd get Bobby's gimmick, but how? How can I? And then all of a sudden, okay, Buster, let's see how much cash you've got on you. And some guy clobbers him here, right? And, mm. uh, you know, he's going to uh, rob him. And then all of a sudden, somebody shows up to uh, help him here, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's Bobby Vance, the singer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he remembers him, too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so he... Chip sort of explains to him, oh, you know, he's been down on his luck and, you know, he just wants a chance or something and wants a job. And so so Bobby gives him a job. Uh, I could use a right-hand man, so how about it? You know, why not go work for me? i got plenty of room at my pad. So, you know, Chip seems pretty grateful um, and uh, gives him a lot of compliments. Hey, Bobby, you're a prince. Uh, I'll do anything you say, anything, and thanks. You know, I'll work hard. You'll see. And then, then Beals is somehow there, isn't he? Uh-huh. He's sort of lurking in the foreground. <laughs> uh, sinister fellow. Um, and yeah. And then the next scene we have, um, I, I guess they're re- rehearsing, rehearsing. Or something. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's uh, Bobby is uh, you know doing his thing, and Chips reduced to you know getting drinks for Bobby. Uh, not not really what he was hoping for. And Beals is there. And uh, Chip says, Mr. Beals, I've got to talk to you. I want, and he goes, I know what you want, Chip, but I told you, you'll find a way, remember? So relax. Like I said, you'll think mm-hmm. of something. So, you know, again, what are you going to think of if you want this guy's career? You're, you're going to, you know, do what you have to do to get it, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And he is determined, isn't he? So, um <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. He uh, got a pistol, pistol whips Bobby and says, tonight I'll be the big wheel, and then has him trussed up. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, Bobby wakes up. What, Chip, what's what's going on? He goes, Chip says, so, you're awake. Good. You and I are going to have a little talk, Bobby. And when it's over, I'm going to know how you do your big finale. Get the picture. And he pulls a hot poker out of a fireplace uh, and sticks it in his face. It's crazy. Yeah. So he threatens to uh, rough him up, and, and you know if he doesn't tell him. Uh, and and the show is in six hours' time, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes to burn his face and says, "The groupies won't find you very attractive after mm. I finish, Bobby." 
and that that yeah. that was enough, wasn't it, to to persuade Bobby to to spill the beans? Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. So. And he goes, "So that's how you did it, mm. just by hitting the right combination of notes." But that still doesn't explain how it works. And he goes, "I don't know how it works. It was Beals. He gave me the notes. He's not what you think he is. He's." And he goes, "I know who he is." Mm. But I'll tell you something, Bobby. I don't care. I'm going to be a star any way I can. All I need is one break. And he puts the gun to Bobby's head and blam. I, I couldn't believe it. Mm, yeah. This guy's ruthless. Um, yeah, he just uh, shoots him, puts the gun in his hand, in Bobby's hands. And so mm-hmm. the police are thinking it's going to be a suicide, just like, you know, what do you say? He said, I, I can see the headlines now. Rockstar takes own life. Police suspect singer was on drugs. It happens all the time. So long, sucker. Wish me luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> he even writes yeah. the suicide note. Yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we want Bobby. We want Bobby. Everybody's going ape at the concert here. And then yeah. uh, Chip thinks 10 o'clock. The concert should have started an hour ago. In another few minutes, this mob will really be screaming. And he goes, and then Beale shows up and he goes, then what, Chip? Something about Bobby? He goes, Mr. Beals, I yes, I, I was just going to go look for you. Vance hasn't shown up, but I can do his act now. I know the gimmick. I, and he goes, I see. Well, in that case, we can't have the crowd tearing this place apart. Now, can we? Okay, Chip, get into one of Bobby's outfits and good luck. And he goes, I won't need luck. Just wait till you see. And mm. he he takes over and starts doing his thing, right? Right, right. And then he... <laughs> um... He says, okay, okay, you chumps. Because everybody's booing initially because it's not Bobby. Uh, and so mm-hmm. he's thinking like, okay, you know, wait wait till I hit the notes, you know. And then that's when, you know, so, so he, he hits the notes, I presumably on his guitar. Mm-hmm. And then he, start, then he starts rising. So he's doing it. He's doing the levitation. And so everybody's sort of, go, man, go. You know, everybody's looking at him. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, he just keeps going, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, like, I love it. he really, he goes out of the concert hall and into the sky and he's like, wait a minute, I'm going up, I'm, I'm, I'm too high. And then, no, how could I have been so stupid? I, I found out how to go up, but I forgot, but I forgot to find out how to come down. Uh, and if I keep going, and then obviously the air is starting to get thin, and he's gasping for air, and mm-hmm. he kind of dies this really weird death, doesn't he? Up in up in the stratosphere, it says it says he climbed above the stratosphere, and obviously there's no oxygen up there, so mm-hmm. he dies and then plummets back to earth. And you got some random guy going, "Hey, look, a shooting star." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is supposed to be a gang member or what here with this jacket yeah, on with an emblem yeah, on the back. <laughs> yeah, shooting yeah. star. Kind of funny yeah. pun there. And then he goes, pretty, isn't it? And they say, if you wish on a shooting star, your wish comes true. Maybe if I wish, it might change my luck, eh, pal? And the, this pal says, yes, yes, it might. You never can tell. And he says, mm-hmm. down on your luck, buddy? Too bad. But then luck can always change. Who knows? Yours might even begin to change tonight. And uh, you see Kane saying, no, Chip never knew when he finally made it. He was a star, but he hadn't really won anything. The real winner was Mr. Beals, and that's who was talking to this guy here, Mr. Beals, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, um, and then he Beals got his arm around him and says, why don't we talk about it, friend? And then he's going to walk away, and Kane is there at the very final panel saying, Mr. Beals is always the winner when he signs up a fool. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Yeah, funny it's one. A good, too. good story. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed reading that one. That was a nice story. Um, but uh, the art was lovely throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I gotta say. Yep. And then uh, there's only one last thing in the omnibus here for me, and it's a uh, hidden in the house. It's called, and it's a uh, Kane mm, introducing like a, a bit of word search here. Yeah, it's uh, it's a word search by Mr. Answerman. Bob, Bob mm-hmm. Rosakis or Rosakis. I don't know how you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Rosakis. I've always called him Rosakis here in the UK. Yep. So I, I don't know how you guys. Yeah. Yep. Rosakis. Um, yep. Yeah. And there's no way I'm defacing my issue. <laughs> com- com- <laughs> no way. <laughs> completing, uh, com- completing the, is this, uh, the word search there. But uh, although, yeah. you know what? In this day and age, you could just take your comic and put it and scan it on like a scanner and printer machine and just print that sucker right out. You can do the Mm -hmm. word search. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You know what? My, my daughter, she's an elementary school teacher. Maybe I'll scan it and print it and say, take these in for your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She won't, she won't be an elementary uh, school teacher for long. (laughs) (laughs) Start them off. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh man, this was fantastic. You know, it really was. Yeah, yeah long, long episode here, but uh, this was, again, it was a hundred pager and it had all these extras in it. This was this was a lot of fun, man. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, um, <clears throat> as as I said earlier, um, when when you got in touch and said, "Do you have this one?" and I said, "Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got all of them, all the hundred pagers." You're like, okay, let's do this. And I really, I'm, I was so glad to have an excuse to get this out and read it again. Because I kind of forgotten how much fun these books are. Sometimes, you know, we get. I, I sometimes don't have enough time in the week with my job and everything. So, mm-hmm. really, really good story. Um, if your listeners are out there, you, they should absolutely seek this out. If if they're horror horror fans or DC anthology fans, really, really good story. Very nice. Very good mm-hmm. art. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Yep, and this is uh, the last story in Omnibus Volume Two. Uh, so I, right. that's and again, right. that's how I'm reading it. But yeah, this is this is the very last uh, issue in there, <laughs> which okay. is interesting. Pretty good, man. And uh, it's, it, it's yeah. not the last. I don't think two two six is the last hundred pager, is it? I think no, uh, no, no. It went on I think for a few more. Yep. Yeah, I think that Omnibus Volume Three that I just got a few short weeks ago that starts right off with more hundred pagers. Yeah, good stuff. Mm. I think I have maybe two or three and maybe mm. uh, that's what i'll do is i'll look to see which single issues i have and then uh, mm. maybe we can knock another one of those mm. out just sim- just sure. simply because then i can have the letters and ads and we can really d- deep dive into it mm. as well yeah and and maybe we'll we'll change the time slot it's like 1 30 a.m <laughs> So, yeah yeah how about to, it right <laughs> to, 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 to be honest what, what 1 30 a.m on a on a saturday night's not unusual for me it it just uh, it just turns out I slept really as I said to you earlier before we uh, before we started recording I mm-hmm. just slept really late on on Friday, um, and uh, so I was kind of feeling the effects. But uh, mm-hmm. you know. mind you, uh, Billy, <laughs> so 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 you know I I know in when you american twitter are asleep because like, when we're up in the morning here like it's, it's just quiet no <laughs> posting but, but you're like the one guy 
<laughs> who's, who's replying to me and retweeting and liking. You know? And I said to you a few times, I was like, what are you doing up at this hour? <laughs> and so I think I think you explained you're, you're up really early yourself, right, for work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mon- Monday through Thursday, uh, typically uh, on a non-holiday week, regular week, I'm up at 3.30 a.m. And then Friday, I get up at 3 a.m. So, yeah. Every wow. once in a while, I'll, I'll if it's a day where oh, uh, I and I have my posts uh, uh, publish at three a.m. or three thirty a.m. somewhere around there uh, uh, mm. on East Coast time. So because I figured that's early East Coast American time and super early West Coast, but you can always get up and see them mm. later on mm. in the day as you get up. But that's also like you know fairly early yet for you know people yeah. in the UK. So you know I have yeah. friends over there and a lot of people. Uh, uh, listen from there as well, you know, probably only second to the States. So I, that's why I try to get that one out there too. Cause maybe somebody's on their commute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like before you explained that to me previously about your job, I, I'm, I'm there <laughs> thinking, doesn't, doesn't this guy sleep? You know, yeah. <laughs> he's like on there, all, you know, uh, but, uh, and on top of that, I gotta say, uh, Billy, I, you must be the hardest working man in comics podcasting. Cause you, you really do crank these out at a rate. I don't know where you get the energy from, but uh, I do love all the podcasts. So, you know, it, it is a pleasure being um, invited back for this one. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And there's, uh, I'll give away my trade secret right now. Uh, I completely ignore my family. No, I'm teasing. I don't really. I, <laughs> I, I know your trade. I know your trade secret. You, you, you got a guy, you got a manager called Beals helping you. Mr. Out. Beals. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh. man he flicks his thumb and that flame yeah. comes right up for my yeah. cigarette <laughs> I, I, I i want no i want no part of it so, uh, <laughs> oh anyway. fantastic all right well yeah man yeah you said it's getting late for you so i will let you go now and uh we'll jump out of here but just in case anybody's looking to follow you you're still on twitter comic zen correct correct um zen of comics or comic zen and mm-hmm. um chronicling um sword and sorcery series our air axe and a thunder by roy thomas um and there's a bit of uh, alcala art on the on the current issues we're looking at um so you can catch me on the world of art.com the world of arac.com you know i grew up saying arac and then mm-hmm. i found out it was actually the accent is on the first day and it's actually arac so you know I've never quite been able to make that switch, but I heard Roy Thomas say it's actually Iraq. So anyway, world of Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, everybody get out there and, uh, uh, give Nis a follow there and then, uh, definitely check out his blog and I'll have all that stuff in the show notes as well. So, uh, once again, thank you, my friend. And, uh, I'm going to jump out of here real quick and, uh, then, uh, come back to wrap up the show in a minute. <laughs> everybody that wraps up this episode once again i want to thank nis for being on the show he's a great guy definitely check out uh, world of uh, arak uh, his blog he's you know been uh, getting some more stuff going on there but there's still the archives to go through as well but he's definitely looking forward to uh, creating some more new content on there so definitely check it out and definitely check him out on twitter like i said uh comic zen zen of comics uh, is his uh, twitter handle so definitely check him out and give him a follow there All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time.